Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I'm your host, Alex Danzig, and we're excited to announce that we're bringing the Cafe Bitcoin conversation from Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Michael Saylor, Lynn Alden, Corey Clipston, Greg Foss, Tomer Strolight, and many others in the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode. You can join us live on Twitter Spaces Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern every morning to become part of the conversation yourself. Thanks again. We look forward to bringing you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. All right. Yes. Yes, I know we're early. And you all probably know why, right? It's crazy. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Tomer. Jacob. Good morning. All right. Anybody in the audience that wants to come up here and just start rapping about what's going on with the price, let's go. Request to come up. We'll bring you up. All right, I don't know who's watching this thing or not, but uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, we had a client last night, he called me at like, well, I should say he texted me at like 6.30 in the evening and I was prepping for Bitcoin Veterans, which we did last night with Preston Pish. By the way, you should check it out. It was a really great show. We had a lot of fun. Some great laughs too. But anyway, so my client texted me and he's like, hey. As long as we're around 35K, go ahead and buy with uh, all the USD on my account. I'm like, um, I didn't see it because <laughs> I'm prepping for this podcast, right? I didn't see it till this morning. And then like 20 minutes or 30 minutes after he sent it, he goes, no, no, no. As long as it's under 36K. And then at some point last night, it busted through 36 and then busted right through 37. And here we are on our way to 38 right now. Pretty wild stuff. that make you sad wicked we're under we're under 2700 it's very sad yeah What's the sats per dollar yeah you got it you got translated into wicked brain oh okay <laughs> apple the way apple brain sees it is it's just much less sats per dollar it's true we're down to 26.55 sats per dirty fiat dollar and as when the price goes below, up, that number will go down. When it gets below 2,400, do we start calling it Moscow time again? Did we ever stop calling it Moscow time? Well, technically, I guess above 2,400 isn't an actual time. I guess that's his point. But I guess yeah, you could Peter. still call it that. When Moscow time drops to zero 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 one it just shows like you can't trade this thing i saw an article uh from bloomberg today um i posted it that said like people are leverage is back in the DeFi space again it's like what are these people thinking did they not just like 
get completely freaking. It says 70% no, 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 this is what it said. 70% crypto yields are back with DeFi becoming a hotspot for leverage again. Like, can I just make a prediction about what's going to happen to those 70% <laughs> yield investors? <laughs> can I predict that they won't re- achieve real 70% returns after in either Bitcoin terms or in dollar terms at the end of the day? Can I predict that they will lose 100% of their of their funds falling for what at this point is an inexcusable scam to fall for? There's a lot of people who haven't been paying attention, so this is their first cycle. They're going to fall for it. Yeah. It's basically a risk-free prediction on my front, on my basis. Right? These people will lose it all if they fall for what's, what doesn't just sound too good to be true, what has been demonstrated to not be true time and time yep. again. Yep, it's a hot potato. Some will get out, but the vast majority will not. 99% will lose everything. So, you know. yeah, well, I, I think because the news, because the history that exists, exists so much, it'll be a quicker, more compressed window to, for these scams to get called out and for them to run away with what they can. Right. This is this is really a very much a short hit and run approach unless somebody comes up with some kind of narrative that persuades people that 70 percent yields or even 13 percent yields are easy, easy to achieve. Uh, they're always made up. You, you can yield in easy-to-print tokens, but the value of those easy-to-print tokens against hard-to-print tokens is is where the catch comes in. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I hope kind of takes off this cycle is the narrative of quality, <laughs> which I think we're seeing starting to be spun up, even from you know BlackRock themselves. And I think it's going to be all about saving your value, making sure you don't get rugged, whether you're a large institution or just a regular pleb. I mean, the name of the game now in today's world is saving your value and not letting it go down or get rugged completely, right? I mean, everyone just wants to have the set amount of value at this point. So, I mean, you can play dumb games, but you're going to lose everything. Or you can put it in the safest money ever so those are your two options <laughs> literally those, that's it Safe, safest money ever or dumb games everything else other than bitcoin is dumb games at this point you know there was a large space on this morning um with uh danny i forget his name uh anyways uh, uh simon was in there there was a bunch of bunch of heavy hitters in there and this guy was talking about how they kept trying to tell him that he, he understands Bitcoin. They kept trying to tell him, hey, you know, you need to you need to have some Bitcoin. And um, he was he said he said that he's already all in on his venture. And so his life is too risky. And all I could think the entire time that I was listening to that was Mickey's quote. I invent I I own BTC because I'm lazy and risk averse. So a, a lot of wealthy people who are paper have paper wealth. They don't have a lot of liquidity. I don't think he understands that Bitcoin he can um sell anytime 24/7 if he really needs cash. 
it's his risk profile that he's that he doesn't it's the risk profile he doesn't understand it's not i, I don't think it's i don't think it has to do with oh, the liquidity like of the asset okay i mean there's also the you know i mean most people who have tons and tons of wealth tend to have their bitcoin in weird setups that either they're not in control of or it takes a long ass time to move their funds around because they've set up some weird multi-sig type of thing right so it's not super liquid when you get to really really high amounts of wealth unless you want to kind of take some risk and have it all so, on the imagination. Yes, I get that, right? I get that, but they should have or could have some in self-custody on single SIG, just in their, yeah. like, have a right. smaller amount at home or the, with the them at all times. Something like that. would be the, the single SIG, I guess, right? Isn't that funny? Exactly. The, the emergency fund is the single SIG, guys. It's not the it's not the, the base in cash in your, in your stupid bank account, okay? Cash is not an emergency fund anymore. And and what's really crazy is that single sig is so much. I mean, single sig is literally enough security for almost everybody. I mean, you, you, most people don't need multi sig. It's. I mean, multi sig's great, but it's, it's just so much more secure than what they're doing with anything else Currently. that they own. Currently, I, I think that's going to change. I think in the next couple of cycles, I think keeping stuff on signal sig is going to become an increasingly bad idea, depending upon how big your stack is and how much it's worth, et cetera. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, yeah. when you get to a you certain level, disagree. yes. When you get to a certain level, yes, but it, it'll never be, you're saying for like, for personal security, basically, right? At that point, you're not saying well, like, well, 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. But I'm not talking about hackability. I'm yeah, talking about first of all, security. physical security, personal physical security plus redundancy. Like you lose that seed phrase, somebody else gets it, and that's it. So, right. And every backup you make of it increases your threat, your your threat profile, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or your attack surface, so to speak. Yeah. So if you if you have one single seed phrase, let's say you make twelve copies of it for redundancy, great. Now you have 12 attack vectors. Yeah, 12 times is, is a little overkill. <laughs> I'm just using it as an example. How many I know do it's you overkill. do? I'm just five times? 21. I got 21 copies of every, of every <laughs> well, get I've ever With the, so with the number my, 12, we now know see, that see, this is, address, uh, this his is, home address is, is particularly interesting because there's clearly some seed phrases laying around somewhere. Yeah, my, my, my security model is overwhelm them, okay? You just have so many C phrases lying around everywhere that they don't even know, right? It just takes them too long. And then you have a few in there that have some decoy funds, so you know if some of those move, you're like, oh, shit, they found my stash of 5,000 seed phrases. Did, <laughs> did you guys read the news about um, in Sweden, they've been, there's been an increase in kidnappings or robberies of people who yeah. mention the word Bitcoin, yeah. Part of, the problem, yeah, part of the problem over there is is that everybody's tax records and everything and their home addresses are freely searchable. Like anybody can look that shit up. Apparently. Yeah, that shit's crazy. That is so crazy that they do that. 
I don't know. Man. And then they and then and then they get home invasions and they wonder well, why? Why did that happen? I thought, I, mean, I thought we lived in a high trust society, guys. People who come up with this stuff are so stupid. It's just stupid. It works until it doesn't. I mean, you know, like they probably don't have very much white collar crime, but now they have home invasions. So, you know, <laughs> can't win them all, I guess. Oh, the question is, which one's better? Would you rather have white collar crime or home invasion? What? You know, so whole, it's funny. The whole we, idea. We, hold wait. on, Bill. It's funny. <laughs> we trust the media when it comes to these negative stories about home invasions in Sweden, but we don't trust the media about all other. Why are we trusting the media about this? Why are we not just assuming that this is just some sensationalized thing? There's been a couple of home invasions in in a mm. in a in a in a country of six million people. I don't know, man. I. If you think home invasions don't happen, I think you're naive. They do happen. They happen often. They <laughs> no, happen all the time, all around the when world. All your records are out there. That's, and, that's uh, not my point, Alex, and you know it. No, I don't know it. Otherwise, I wouldn't say that. Like Jesus, bro. Come on, man. We 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 question the media. Come on, on man. You know who you sound like they... right now? Huh? Come on, man. Oh my God. We question Alex. the media. On everything they say and yet we don't question it when it comes to these things that align with with our values and what we want to, i mean I, I think it's kind of hypocritical how does that align with our values if anything it's throwing fud on bitcoin because because it aligns with it aligns with alex's um second amendment stance it aligns with his idea that you need to be an armed society it aligns with that, those kinds of. I, I sorry, values wasn't the right word. Uh, maybe perspective is a better word. Well, it's true. I mean, you could say they have incentive to scare people about holding Bitcoin, and they put out fake news about the stories. But uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so on these. To be honest, I think it it actually happens. Well, of course it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm I'm talking about the the the, the, the rate of incidents. I mean, for instance, is the rate if of we look at really if we look high? at kidnapping in the what United the, States, does it happen? Yes. Is it rare? Yeah, it's pretty fucking rare. What is the rate of incident in where? What did we say? Sweden, Finland? Where are we talking about? What's the rate of incident? Do we know? No, we don't. So then, That's what are you the even point. talking about? Exactly. That's, the That's point, my point. Neil. It's higher than it was probably last year. <laughs> you guys are arguing a lot when we should be celebrating. Yeah, I don't even know like what the statistic No, Terrence, we're all sad. What's the statistic in question? Yeah, right I think, now? I I think the only person arguing I here actually is go all, in. <laughs> all right, pump it. Jacob, where's the pump it up music? There needs to be some like good pump it up music. Dump it. Don't you know? Dump it down. Don't dump it down. Is everybody happy with how much they've stacked moving into this? Uh... Yeah, I guess that's the one thing I can be happy about. It's like I stacked literally as much as I could. So, you know, what am I going to do? doesn't feel like enough, but couldn't do any better. So, you could have worked a night job. 
I mean, I literally, I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing. Maybe he was. Maybe he was yeah. doing Oh. Didn't you see that apple stand on the corner of uh, Santa Monica Boulevard? The rotten one. Yeah, I got a few apples working for me out there. All right, Terrence, so what is your theory on why we're pumping? Is it just Bitcoin being Bitcoin? Is it ETF? Uh, so I think some of it is seeding as um, BlackRock and others kind of seed their anticipated ETFs with some Bitcoin. And then some of it is liquidated liquidations, of course. Like, So you always need a catalyst. I think the catalyst this time was uh, institutions the black rocks of the world seating and those kind of front running that, uh, including retail people who listen to the show, hopefully. Um, and, but the ETF does not guarantee, but it's looking super likely that it'll happen and be approved first quarter next year. But, but then the second thing is always almost always in Bitcoin because there's so little liquidity, especially after they got rid of the fake volume. I think a lot of it is uh, leverage shorts getting liquidated margin calls and the, those people um, are getting wrecked, so. Wreck them. I think the level was 36.2-ish as soon as we passed that um, gamma squeeze time. So that's, I think that's what's happening right now. Gamma the, gamma, the gamma squeeze range is up to 41K from what I understand. I'm not an expert in that area, but that's... What people who yeah, study shit are saying. I used to know that crap. I think it's basically um, you have people who sell calls, call options, and then they have to post margin and they get squeezed. Get, so Bitcoin price goes up. There's more and more margin calls. And then you just have to buy the actual Bitcoin to cover your call or, or have uh, meet the margin requirements. We're closing in on uh, 38. We're at 37.925. Is everyone quiet because they're just watching the Bitcoin price? That's what's happening. No, I'm seeing Tomer and I'm thinking about the middle class and poor in our in our country and just around the world that we're going to have to, honestly, I think some of us are going to have to take care of those, our friends and family who are not stacking. And despite, you know, whatever, they're still our friends and family. We're just going to have to give them Bitcoin. So that means we have to stack more as it becomes less affordable and they get left behind. Nah, screw that. I, I, I have done told them and they didn't do it so they can suck it. I'm just kidding. I have, I have tell my family members, I'm just kidding. I have a different perspective, Terrence. I think that yeah, I'd love to hear it. I think that a lot of people who are, you know, lower middle class have debt and they actually have negative net worth. That's a good point. Yes. And so a, a lot point. of them are actually going to be in a better off situation once fiat goes to zero and then they have a fresh start with sound money. Oh and, and, yeah. I never thought of that. That's and, actually and, really and good. And you better believe, and you better believe yeah. all the people who do have Bitcoin are going to want to hire the shit out of, you know, anyone who's willing to work for it. So 
Yeah, it'll be pretty good. The transition can be messy, though. But I guess yeah. maybe. I mean, but again, if the Bitcoiners get incredibly wealthy, and then our people who are you know builders and they want to hire a lot of people, then there might actually be a boom. Well, I think that that speaks to the response. Like what what we will find. I mean, we're we're forecasting into the future, the kind of this as transitionary and post transitionary period. But that will actually be the case that there, it it won't just be crazy wealth. People who who view it that way will you know fools and their money are soon parted, and profligate spenders and their money are soon parted too. But wise in people who invest in things that generate a real return, not a return in necessarily more Bitcoin, but in a richer society, more infrastructure, a wealthier place to be, a happy be, will be spending that money on the construction of those things, which includes the labor and wages of, of people who will then have money that doesn't melt in their, you know, in their savings and doesn't lose its purchasing power. So they'll be wealthier too. It, it really is ultimately a win-win when you start to move to a money that isn't a form of robbery. Uh, can I uh, just quickly jump in? I just wanted, I, I was listening in before um, to the conversation about Sweden and home robberies. And I, um, I, I think Peter raises uh, honestly something that um, I think most of us are aware of, that if, if there's an area really know something about, you find out media usually don't know what they're talking about. And um, my, I'm from Denmark. My best friend is Swedish. He knows I'm a Bitcoiner. Uh, he was there in Miami. Some of you met him. And uh, I haven't heard anything from him about it. I'm not saying it's not there at all. Um, but I'm pretty sure he would have told me if this is like a, a, a trend now in Sweden. So um, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying Peter has a point to be careful trusting the media for sure. That's all. Screw you, Ann Peter. <laughs> well, I mean, it is interesting, though, right, Alex? Like, the FUD that we're going to start to hear maybe more of is FUD of, of self-custody because they're going to want to FUD us into these ETFs. Yes. Yeah, probably. The The other thing, though, is, is that, like, so I'm, as you guys know, I'm tied into the, like, the military community, and, like, these guys are talking about seeing um, an increased... What is this guy calling it? Um, it's just an, an increased incident of uh, personally targeted email and phone penetrations. And some of these guys work in, in um, organizations that are, they're basically offensive cybersecurity contractor type things working for the Department of Defense. So they're, they're pretty, they got their finger on the pulse pretty good. And so that stuff is starting to uptick. I think as Bitcoiners become more and more wealthy, just in general, OPSEC is going to become more and more important. And people are just going to have to get really good at security because it's happening. Looks like we got 38K per the Swan app, if you look above. That Swan spread is way too high. Wait for it for the other ones. No. <laughs> Your spread is way too low, Wicked. I don't want to hear it. I love Neil's response. He just is like, no. 
Neil is just like on the no train today. I'm a fighter. Let's do it. So I looked at statistics, by the way, uh, in Sweden. One percent of crimes in Sweden are robberies. They they have one of the lowest robbery rates in the world. Twenty percent of those are Bitcoin related. I'm kidding. At, at <laughs> least. Yellow. Yellow. Come up here and tell us why this price is pumping. Come up here. Because Yellow. of the Fibonacci lines. Little green steps all the way to 100,000. It's pumping because the line is going up and it will be dumping when the line is going down. Well, there isn't there, and I'm not saying that's the reason you probably already spoke about it, but um, there's a new window, I think, of eight days open where the SEC could uh, approve a bunch of ETFs for Bitcoin spot. But, I I mean, I don't think that's happening. I don't think it's the reason either. Um, But um, it it, it could be. I don't know. Non-zero chance, but near zero. It's a full moon tonight, right? Yes. The witches. The witches know. Don't ever fight the so. witches. I just saw the most inappropriate headline from the New York Post. I can't even post it here, but you guys need to like scroll through like eight minutes ago and see this this post. I, I, I can't even believe that's a real headline. Anyways, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Okay, Hold on. Is here. the New York Post part of the uh, media that we... No, it's just because it's it's uh, it's very adult rated. I I just can't post that in a, a swan room. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that we could do it. <laughs> do it, wicked. I I don't know if it's just signs of the fiat world just kind of crumbling when you see those kind of headlines. What the hell is their handle? NY Post. You'll know which article. I mean, the perfect the perfect example of of this media machine and what it does is CNBC. They they really haven't said much about about this Bitcoin pump that's gone on for the last you know week and a half. But I tell you what, when it dumps, they sure will be talking about that. Oh, my God, Neil. Why? I know. I couldn't believe that just happened. So I wanted you to see what I saw. Yeah, don't post that in the nest. (laughs) Jesus. Um, I mean, you know, it's all natural, baby. That's... uh below my line or above that, my line. that link will not be making it into the telegram group <laughs> confirm jacob it's relevant to the show i don't know if you're going to cut this part out negative hey I'm jacob we're not posting take, that in the telegram group how copy take take it down why'd you post it i'm sorry you can take it down i can't take it down i'm not a host i can take yeah, I'll do it. I'm Jacob's not even listening. He's probably in a meeting or some shit right now. 
<laughs> as all that's actually brings. that's actually a thing with with weightlifters too there there are women who are selling that okay um, people who are why do you know this how do you t- you're trusting the media <laughs> anytime peter says anything referencing any media from now on out we got to give him a hard time about why are you listening to the media peter the mainstream media msm because i still have fiat vi i'm still infected with fiat virus that's why is it ski season yet terrence you'll be happy to know i've decided i'm not skiing this year yay stack i just got my icon pass i'm definitely going skiing um terrence are you coming skiing this year should we go to mammoth uh, I've never been to Mammoth. Maybe, maybe. Mam- Mammoth is. Do they have a Gucci store there? Because if they don't, Terrence isn't going. Oh my God. What's up, Psyduck? Oh well. Topic seems to have changed. I just came up to talk about yeast beer. Have you guys heard about beard yeah. beer? <laughs> no joke. There was a beer a while back where they made a they they made a beer out of the yeast of the head brewer. Um, pretty funny, pretty weird tasting beer. This is all my fault. It definitely is all your fault, bro. Everything is your fault today, Neil. That's fine. The, like the price of Bitcoin going up, that's my fault too. Remember that. What's up, Mickey Goss? Morning. Is Bitcoin pumping? Is that what's going on? Sometimes like it. A pump for ants. What is this? What is this Anders pleb party thing you put in the nest? It's already for next year. Wait, was that a question to the party or? Yeah, that's a question yeah. for you. Yeah, what was the question? There's already a pleb party next year. Uh, you, you mean the one I put there in the nest? Yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta be out in good time. Give, give people a chance to, um, to plan and, uh, yeah, work ahead, right? Plan ahead. There's all inclusive bar and food the day before admission. That is correct. No more receptions. This is a 12 hour party with an open bar, a high at 15 bartenders and unlimited (laughs) alcohol. Uh, there'll be food as well. And if anyone gets too drunk, uh, they will be told they're getting a drink and they're not. I don't know. But yeah, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. Cool. How uh, how many people have signed up for this so far? Um, cup, uh, Some, some, without going into details. We, 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 we passed 21. I'll put it that way. Nice. I can't even think that far ahead. Jeez. 
Well, it's, it's, you know, long-term thinking, uh, that, that, that's what I keep hearing. So I thought, okay, I got to do that whole long-term thinking thing. So no, like, uh, smaller pleb or less pricey pleb party this year. Just I mean, go, go, go for it, right? Decentralized. Nobody owns the date. No, I'm, um, saying by you. I'm saying by you and Pubby. Right. So, well, in front of Pacific Bitcoin, I ended doing uh, two meetups um, in less than 24 hours leading up to uh, Swan's pleb party that John Chinot put together at the Victorian, um, which which is, you know, free to attend. So I think it was Tuesday night. Um, Martin from BDC Prague was in town that I met last year at at Pacific Bitcoin, you know, which is, yeah, another reason that these conferences are, are, are great because of the people you meet, really, and the doors that open. Uh, I met him and ended up emceeing down in, in Prague and, and going back next year for that. Um, so so because he was in town, I put together a meetup down in um, actually the same bar that sw last Swan Salon was, which is 1212 um, Santa Monica. And, uh, so that was cool. A lot of people came, I think like 30 Bitcoiners came out and stayed for hours. BDC sessions being one of them, uh, Dom Bay and a bunch of others. Uh, always there's known faces and then there is anons and it's always good. It's always, you know, Bitcoiners. And then again, next day I did a, a, a tailgating, um, at a bar on Santa Monica pier that now accepts, um, uh, Bitcoin as payment uh, as a, a tailgating warm up for Swan's uh, play party in the evening. So they'll probably, I might, I'll probably do some of those as well. I guess you know when we get there, there'll be plenty of opportunity meeting at no cost. And then personally, I I liked you know so the first play party I, I put together was a year ago in front of Swan um, Pacific Bitcoin, hosted by Swan and. Um, that was free to attend, but it also meant that me and Poppy <laughs> lost a couple of thousand dollars, right? So um, when you have a budget because you're selling tickets, you can do more cool stuff. Like in Miami, um, uh, I was able to rent that uh, cool rooftop bar and um, bunch. even Sailor showed up. Um, so when you have a, a budget, you can make stuff cooler. So for instance... They'll, uh, you know, as I mentioned, there'll be so many bartenders at, uh, I really don't think people have to wait in line, uh, to get a drink, which, uh, you know, I think is important and, uh, yeah, just, just trying to make it like I want to make it. And, and yeah, that does cost money to put together, but then you don't have to go to the yeah, restaurant. You don't, you don't, you don't have don't, to, yeah, you don't have to justify it. It's just the first I'm hearing about it probably just because I haven't been in, uh, your rooms as much recently. I've been super busy, but that's really cool that you're doing that. Yeah, I, I just only announced it um, uh, Tuesday. So I think it was Tuesday. It's a Thursday now, right? Yeah. Um, it'll be fun. Cool. Very cool. Do you know the venue yet? Does it say that or no? No, nah, you know. So we started selling tickets to Miami Plepart, uh, I think December, like right in the beginning of December last year. And I didn't go until end of January. It goes, uh, it's a bit of a way from LA to Miami um, to find the venue and, and arriving in Miami with the pressure of having sold tickets and needing to, to find a good venue uh, was actually kind of 
fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's game on, you gotta deliver. Um, so I'm doing the same, but this time I got much better time. Um, it's not until July, but I'm going to go to Nashville either later this month or, you know, but then it becomes Christmas and December and holiday and all that. Um, I mean, I think either November or, or, or January I'll, I'll go and, uh, Cool. And it, it, it's part of the fun, man, is putting it together for sure. Cool, cool. You have, like, a, sick, it, you have a sick idea of fun, bro. Lindsay overheard the conversation and said we need to get tickets. <laughs> There's already so many conferences planned for next year. Oh, my God. Alex, you know when PB dates are going to be announced? I don't know, but I think it'd probably be around the 18th or the 19th. Last I saw Kristen talking about it. Okay. I didn't know. October 18th, 19th in that time frame. It all depends upon when we can get the, we have to secure the contract on the hangar. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I'll be in Vegas in a few weeks for Unconfiscatable. It's nice to go to a conference on a pump. I hope uh, we're still on the upswing. Man, I got to get my tickets and stuff for that. Oh, you haven't got that yet? Well, my plane tickets and stuff. Oh. But oh. You, have a, you have a conference ticket. I don't know. I hope. <laughs> well, I don't. I, I just assume. Fuck <laughs> me up. I'll just plug my promo code for Unconfiscatable since you bring that up FOMO10. We'll get you 10% off. I also hope to the, see you there. The tickets just got 10% cheaper. So yeah. good job awesome. waiting to buy them. Never buy those tickets early on. They always are too expensive in terms of Bitcoin. Almost. Wait till the last moment. Oh, you're talking about in terms of Bitcoin, yes. FOMO yeah. 10. Much yes. more likely to be cheaper in terms of Bitcoin if you wait till the last moment to get them. Damn. But if you're paying with Bitcoin, you don't, you don't it's sad, right? Exactly, Peter, which is why you want them to be cheaper. But if I have to pay, so for instance, for the for the poker tournament, it's a three million sat entry. Yeah, that entry fee you, you it doesn't change. Always going to exactly. be a three million sat entry fee. Correct, but the tickets yeah. are priced in terms of dollars. Yes. Yeah, that three million sat entry fee. It might be the most in terms of dollars that that poker tournament's ever been. I'm not sure. Because last, the last unconfiscatable, the poker tournament was like a million sats when the price was at like 30,000. And then it dropped to, you know, like, you know, below that. I'm not, I'm not sure what the price in dollars was at the time. I don't know. I had a really good time at that conference uh, last year. It was, it, they used to have it in March. Now it's December. So it's been over a year and a half, but uh, I had a really good time and it's smaller and it's limited to like 400 tickets. So it's, uh, you got a lot of FOMO. FOMO. You got FOMO's a, real. You, you, yeah. You have a chance to be in one-on-one situations a lot more. 
when there's a limited amount of people. So check that one out if you're in Vegas or need an excuse to go to Vegas. Neil, can either you, Tomer, or Terrence um, jump on co-host, please? Because I am multitasking right now for reasons. Yeah, I think. Oh, like the actual handle? Yeah, let's drop. Jacob, if you're listening to me, let's drop Pacific as co-host. And let's get one of these guys on there to help manage the stage. Because I have got a lot going on right now. Yeah, I don't mind. People are asking Alex, I want to buy Bitcoin. I want to buy Bitcoin. So... He ain't lying. Yeah. Those private clients coming in hot and heavy. Yeah, I'll take over. I think Jacob is... Is he MIA? Oh, no. No, he's he's here, but he had a meeting and stuff. Should, uh, send me that invite again. I think I hit... Yeah, I got stuff. you here, Neil. Thank you for uh, right. stepping in. It should be in your bottom left. I got it. <laughs> I hit it. It didn't work. Oh, there we go. It's a little delayed. Can you hear me? You sound great. Yeah, you're good. You sound great, Jacob. Yeah, I got the professional equipment over here, but, you know. All right. Well, if I'm hosting, welcome everybody to Cafe Bitcoin. We did open up this room a little early today. I think it was like 930-ish. We did that because... The price is pumping, and who doesn't want to talk about Bitcoin when the price is pumping? We kind of spoke about some of potential reasons. Terrence gave us his expert analysis on why Bitcoin may be going up. Something about gamma squeezes. I don't know all those Greek letters, but what I do know is you will benefit from those Greek letters if you just buy and hold indefinitely so neil you're, you're forgetting my expert opinion oh and peter's expert opinion is just ignore or don't trust anything that the media says no uh, it was the, the when the when the lines going up were pumping and when the lines going down were dumping that is an expert opinion yes there are more buyers than sellers all right Add speaker. Let me make sure this. She is the patience level, right? So if there's more impatient buyers than impatient sellers, then price pumps. That's an interesting. But way by the it. way, that's it's not <clears throat> accurate to say there's more buyers than sellers. There's more buying volume than selling volume at certain levels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a. It's a great point, Alex, because there's always the same amount of buyers and sellers. It just uh, moves the price, right? It, it clears at a higher price because, no, as you're saying, no, there's... there's not always the same amount of buyers okay. and sellers. That's not such well, correct. For each buy, there's a sell. That, yes. <laughs> when it happens. It, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, but that's a transaction. Like now you're conflating additional shit. You, you okay. started with two different things that right, were conflated, Alex, and now you're adding on. more. I thought you had to go work, Alex. I'm, I'm I do, work, but Alex. like, you know, all this incorrect bullshit needs to be corrected. I'm going to do it in real time. Just Someone is wrong on the Thank internet. You. Alex is going to correct them. You may, oh, you may well, have... See, T, why you got to go there, man? It's got, why is it got to be like that? I'm kidding. You don't necessarily... I think have it's patience level. 
you don't necessarily have the same amount of bids and asks at the same time. That would be quite the coincidence. Um, but yeah, the price is just determined based on where a buyer and a seller will meet at a certain point in time. So this is what I'm seeing anecdotally from my desk. Now, I don't have perfect visibility into all the stuff that's going on transactionally in Bitcoin, right? I only see what I see. This is Alpha and everybody. And also, like, what I have an idea of what's going on across the Swan private team, et cetera. But what I'm seeing is I'm seeing all everybody who doesn't have a big enough stack is is gobbling, gobbling, right? It's yet to be determined whether these APs are in the market buying. Uh, according to the S1s, they were done in October, unless we see an update to those S1s. So there's that. But very large, I should say, OG Bitcoiners who were either buying or mining many years ago. Many, isn't it crazy? Many years ago. Legend tells of a legendary guy buying in 2011 or 12. And they're sitting on big stacks of Bitcoin. And they're slowly selling those into the market. So you have these like big piles of Bitcoin that are slowly being sold into the market. And you got all the other folks who are just like gobbling it up as fast as they possibly can, especially people who don't have the stack size they want yet. When you're saying you see people trying to accumulate because they haven't accumulated enough, are you referring to like just anecdotal evidence? With yes. Your, like, private, okay, okay. What I'm seeing, this is what I'm oh, seeing. I'm not saying I don't have visibility into what the size of the clients are on Coinbase. I have no fucking right. idea. Or Kraken so, or Binance or anywhere else. I'm talking X about what client. I see. So you like know X, Y, and Z client all want to hit certain levels. They haven't got there yet. And now they're kind of FOMOing. And I have an idea of what their size is. Plus, yeah. we have OGs who are fit the description of what I'm talking about who sell as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. Wicked, you have your hand up? Your Apple hand? Wicked, you there? Going once? Yeah, so one thing I was going to say is that the another th you know thing or another um, source of supply is when people get enough wealth in terms of Bitcoin and then they start to live off of it. So as the price goes up, more and more people kind of get to that retirement amount and then might start to just kind of sell a little bit here and there right i mean there's already ogs who are still selling like monthly amounts just to live off of right so those ogs become more and more in numbers and then there's a constant sell pressure from them as well so don't forget about those guys all right let's go to broadsword it says in your profile you trolling a realist not a maximalist oh, this could be fun what's going on broadsword uh, yeah, thanks for letting me up. I actually have a question with what you guys think is going to happen with the institutions and the ETF. So the way I'm thinking about it is like there's going to be a huge demand, but with the way that institutions work is like, let's say they have a 5% allocation and that all of a sudden becomes a 20% allocation to their portfolio because Bitcoin runs like crazy. So from my understanding is they're going to start reducing their size back down to 5%. Right. So like I'm thinking what would be the balance is like, can it be can it fuck up the perfect storm, you know, quote unquote, because they're going to start unloading while everyone else is loading up to the five percent. You're saying your institution's going to rebalance and kind of suppress. Price yes. Certain. Yes. Yeah, I think that works probably both ways. Right. They're trying to hit certain percentages 
uh, it'll go up and then they're trying to reduce, it'll go down. So I, I, I don't know where the equilibrium will be in that. I don't know if anyone has a more thoughtful answer. That might just be more of like right. a, a dampening of volatility, as, you know, not so much like a, a ceiling. It, it might not have a ceiling effect because if there's more and more people getting into it, then the balancing will still, you know, in effect, need more Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it'll just maybe dampen the volatility, but you know the 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 ultimate price that Bitcoin goes to is really in effect kind of how many people pile in. <laughs> so I don't know. I think people are gonna. Yeah, that's what I'm it. thinking about for the short term. Like, there's a long term, it's gonna balance out anyways. But I'm like, I'm I'm telling everyone on my side, like, hey, get your fucking ass in if you haven't, or like stack the last amount that you can because this bull run is gonna rip faces off. But at the same time, being contrarian, I'm also like, okay, well, where could I be wrong? And I'm thinking about the fact of like the institution money going in, pumping, and then everyone selling, and then them selling too. Like, like, well, I, I don't really know what I'm when, getting when at, other, but I'm just trying to get your opinion. People, of, when other people sell and the price starts to draw down, then that actually becomes an imbalance in terms of the percentage allocation. So the, the so institutions will buy at that point to rebalance their portfolios back up to whatever target percentage they want. That's the that's the dampening I'm talking about, right? I want to hear, yeah, I want to hear Terrence's point of view on this, if he has one. Yeah, so I think uh, Wicked is right that it'll have a, we'll have a dampening on volatility, less volatility, but that will actually increase the number of institutions I predict going into Bitcoin, because they see it as something that's continually going up on us slower but more steady and reliable pace without the massive drawdowns that we've seen in the past so that could actually increase the massive like it's basically 99.99 percent of whatever of institutions or institutional wealth has zero bitcoin so as they go from zero to 0.1 percent to one percent to ten percent whatever allocation they're going to be more encouraged by the dampening of volatility and thus what could be a slow but steady increase, a more gradual but sustainable increase without the ridiculous drawdowns we've seen. Okay, okay. Um, so you don't think we're, well, I personally didn't think we we're going to have a blow off top last cycle. I obviously did not listen to my own advice for it, which I'm shooting myself, you know, I'm kicking myself in the ass for it. But yeah. you think it's going to mellow yeah. out even more that we're not going to have these like massive ups and downs. It's just going to be like a slower. No, no, no. So the, the massive ups and downs will come from institutions and so, sorry, will come from retail and those that are trying to trade and beat Wall Street and sometimes Wall Street themselves when they screw up these traders that um, take excessive risk, partly because of the way they're paid. Right. There's no clawbacks even after the 2008 financial crisis. So traders at big institutions, retail traders, day traders, they can all FOMO in and use leverage to catch up, right? And a lot of them will use leverage. So that will cause um, a lot of volatility. I'm just saying that in terms of what you're talking about, in terms of the rebalancing effect, because that should dampen volatility, you might go higher for longer before there is a blow-off. But yeah, blow-offs will probably still happen in bitcoin it's just the nature of having an asset that's um i hate to say it controlled by that the the amount of bitcoin controlled by a few people even though they never sell winston cesare's will never sell brock pierce uh, etc but the reality is that 
even though they might not sell, although I do think Brock sells, but um, their counterparts that we don't even know about that might have one-tenth of what they have but still have a lot of Bitcoin, they might sell. Every time Bitcoin 10Xs, they'll sell 10%. Every time Bitcoin goes up, you know, doubles, they'll sell what whatever percent. So they have these systems where some of them do sell. These uh, so-called um, OG hodlers that allegedly never sell, I think they do sell. So I think that's part of the equation, but yeah, we'll see. I think Bitcoin just has very little real volume right now, as we've seen from the lack of liquidity after all the fake volume was kind of washed out or deterred by all the regulatory and prosecutor action, DOJ, threatened DOJ action and legislators. Um, the real volume's low because most of us just huddle, which makes sense. But that means the volatility should naturally be kind of high. And all, all I'm seeing is the the stuff you're talking about, this rebalancing could moderate, dampen volatility, like Wicked said. And so you might have um, the the top, the, the bull market going a little bit longer, just um, go up maybe a little bit less. Did I just rug or did he rug? No, I was done speaking. Okay. Well, thank you very much for um, for your guys' opinion. This definitely uh, shines a bit more light, and I can look into it and think about it more. Really appreciate it. No problem. No problemo. You know, I, I have like the volatility. I have such a long term outlook on Bitcoin. I don't even think about these things anymore because I really don't care about. People how many out. how many cycles have you have you been in Bitcoin, Neil? Uh, it's kind of a confusing question because I first. Why is it Bitcoin. confusing? A well, cycle. It, it's not a confusing question. It is a complicated answer. Sorry, I um first bought Bitcoin in 2013, so I've seen cycles, but I wasn't as like hooked in until probably 2016, 2017. So in, in other words, you were still climbing Mount Stupid from 2000. 2013 all the way through 2016 at which point you stopped selling your stack or something oh no, like i would say until 20 end of 2017 i was still climbing uh, mountain stupid or whatever you called it mount stupid once 2017 ended i was so burnt out that i just kind of like i stopped with all the other garbage in the space and i was like all right i guess it's just bitcoin i want to I mean, say I like I want to say something. Hello, guys. Hello. The entire financial world is focused on Bitcoin. It's time to take better care of your access and store them in safe place like Bitcoin. No? Uh, I didn't get what you said. Would you repeat that? I explained the... Okay, moving on. Joe Carlosari, good morning. Yes, good morning, everyone. Happy 37K. It bounced right off of 38, huh? There's a battle going on right now. <laughs> you can only imagine how many uh, shorts are getting liquidated at the moment or bears are getting liquidated. Send invites out to uh, Brad Mills if you want to come up as well. Brandon, if you want to come up. 
Bob Kuntz would like you to come up at some point if you want to. No obligation. Would love to hear some stories from you just about stuff in general. But Joe, do you have any thoughts on today's uh, price action? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, long overdue. I, I, w I wish we would have gotten this move a little bit earlier in the year. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's great. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, it may be due, just hypothesizing to this window that we're entering right here that I've been talking about for um, over a month here, where you have the comment period that is finally concluded for the BlackRock ETF. So if you want consistency and you want all the ETFs to come to market, at the same time, you would do it during a period where there are not outstanding comments that are supposed to come to market. And the reason why uh, the window is only open for about 10 days here is because then you enter a new comment period for one of the other ETFs. So it would be very strange for the SEC to approve some while others are still in comment period. But because we haven't entered the comment period for some of them, they te technically have a window here where they can do it. But if you don't get it done in the next 10 days, you don't catch some word of approval in the next 10 days, very likely you won't hear anything until January. What's yeah. up, Brad? Welcome to the stage. How's it going? Long time. Yeah. Uh, Joe, I was wondering that the other week you were, you were talking about uh, trying to measure how much liquidity was waiting on the sidelines like you're trying to look at stable coins and i think exchange well that's where we started talking about it like uh yeah no, what i was saying is is like you know you you look at traditional money flows into the space and we were debating how do you measure money flowing into the space what does that exactly mean and it's a difficult metric. I mean, I know a lot of hedge funds, um, some of which I've worked with and tried to like measure this. And one of the things that they find that's frustrating is that you can see stablecoin balances, which are generally a good proxy for liquidity, but there's a lot of liquidity on exchanges that are sort of, that's more opaque, right? So like think of example, if Brad Mills has $2 million sitting on his Coinbase account, ready to buy the dip, hypothetically, and, uh, you know, it's just sitting there as a USC balance in a bank account. You don't really see that on chain, but that's liquidity that's just sitting there ready with a push of a button that can enter the space. Um, that's sort of near entry liquidity, whereas, you know, obviously there's you know, trillions of dollars of global liquidity that could flow into Bitcoin. The question is like, what, what is in a, in a, at a, uh, which, which liquidity is in a rail that can easily, you know, with, with a click of a button enter the space and, you know, those those measures tell you is liquidity increasing in the overall space or is it declining? Also, the, yeah, it would be if, nice to see that. if you're talking about the liquidity in Bitcoin, I mean, that can change moment to moment as well. Like there are situations under which liquidity gets pulled and then spreads blow out and then liquidity gets replaced. It just depends on what's happening. Well, you're talking about something slightly different and, and you're using liquidity in, in the sense of, you know, the Bitcoin order book. That's not really what Brad and I are talking about. We're talking oh, about. Oh, I'm sorry. The, no, no, no. Because you're correct. I was only that partially is, paying attention. I apologize. No, I was no, weighing in on something. I no, didn't catch what you're you, saying. You bring up a really good point. So like, so this is, the, this is the issue. So a lot of market participants don't even agree on terminology. And this is why we talk past one another. So like when you talk about liquidity, 
like it's, there's order book liquidity. So like the example of that is what you just said, Alex. Like if I yeah. want to go out, if I want to go out and smash by a billion dollars, I'm a moron on Coinbase. If I were to do that, you know why? Because you will cause the price. You're a moron on any platform. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and well, any platform. You're right. Even if you did it across all the platforms, um, if you had a bot that did it simultaneously, market bot across all the platforms, it would the price would skyrocket. You'd probably see that ten thousand dollar candle. Now you would hope that someone with a billion dollars is not a moron and he hires somebody to acquire the Bitcoin, which is what like a guy like Michael Saylor did. But to prevent slippage, what he did is he had bots running so as to not not uh, consume the order book liquidity you were talking about. They would buy up, and you could actually see this. They would buy a little, like 1.7 was their their uh, you know size of choice. 1.7 Bitcoin. They would buy it, you know, pretty much every consistently every you know between five and ten minutes. 1.7, 1.7, and this would prevent slippage. Yeah, that's in, that's super interesting. I I just saw a tweet where you know like some of these there's certain accounts on Twitter that they track. Um, buys of uh, or large buys so to speak so apparently in the back channel these guys are talking about there is one i don't know if it's one address or one account or whatever it is but apparently it's buying 15 million dollars worth of bitcoin every three hours right now yeah Come on, Terrence. sorry Ant. oh no i was making a bad joke go ahead joe no so just about that in 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 in, uh, in, in size and scale like okay um, to give you a comparison, like you think of Bitcoin there and you think, oh, that seems like a lot, right? Well, there are prime brokers, prime dealers in the treasury market that are filling on a daily basis, you know, sometimes between 100 to $120 billion worth of treasury sales. Most of it bought with leverage, by the way. Um, so like you, you've got, you know, that, that just shows the scale. So like when we were talking about yesterday, Alex, the issue of like infrastructure, like for, for, for Bitcoin to supplant that market, right? You need to be able to facilitate billions upon billions of dollars of real-time sales at, at a market basis in short order, mm -hmm. right? That's, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Huge. Yeah. I mean, that, that's depth of market, right? That, I agree with you 100%. I want to welcome up Sam Callahan. Good morning. And then also... Good morning. Good morning. And then also back to Brad. Uh, Sam, did you have anything to say before I had my question? Nope. You got it, man. Cool. Uh, actually, could we bring Aaron up? I would like to ask Aaron a question. Aaron Wise. Could Aaron uh, request to come up? Because we have a lot of people in the room. Yeah, so, there's something interesting that I saw today when I booted up my phone before I did some stretches and grabbed my coffee, which I, uh, you know, you should always do that first before looking at your Twitter because it's going to mess you up. Oh, but this man. is what I saw. Jump, jump crypto. It was deposed by the SEC. And if, for those who don't know who jump crypto is, they were the ones that were in bed with Alameda, FTX, 3Rs Capital. Um, they're one of the big market makers, like J Jump proper is one of the bigger market makers on Wall Street. And uh, they created a crypto division, Jump Crypto. 
who was pretty much, you know, the market maker for FDX and Binance and stuff like that. And um, they created the wormhole uh, bridge that got hacked last year and lost $300 million or uh, 2021. And they were involved in Terra Luna and all this stuff, working with uh, Mike No Regret and all those guys on, on Luna. And anyways, like FTX was one of the ones that got most of the, the heat, right, for Three Rose Capital and FTX. They got most of the heat for all the fraud that was happening in Ponzi Fi. But it looks like finally there's some, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other players that were involved in propping up all those Ponzi's, those DeFi Ponzi's, and Jump was one of them. So today, I don't know if it was today, actually, it was recently, um, Jump was deposed by the SEC or whatever. And <laughs> any time that they asked about their involvement with Doquan and their involvement with the UST Ponzi stuff, the, the CEO, um, Kanav, just kept pleading the fifth. He didn't want to self-incriminate himself on any any of these questions about how, the fraud that they were involved in with Luna. So I just I thought that was uh, a kind of like a worthy thing to to think about and talk about. And one of the unresolved questions I have from the the crash from the 2021 2022 nonsense was that Jump Crypto had uh, Robinhood signed a deal with Jump to be their um, like custodian for their crypto. So nothing ever really got disclosed if Robinhood's coins that they were custodying for all their customers were ever at risk because of the problems with Jump. And um, yeah, I just wonder if Aaron or anybody has looked into that a little bit more because it's kind of like a big deal if there's still problems with Jump because they're still big got, major player. What do you got on Jump, Aaron? Anything? Yeah. So, hey, Brad. Um, I didn't follow it as closely, unfortunately. I know that they are one of the big three. So, Cumberland of DRW, Jane Street, and Jump. Um, I think, yeah, it makes absolute sense that they were involved here. And makes sense that the SEC is asking him questions, but I don't have any like any more info. But it's definitely a risk. Robinhood makes all of its money by partnerships. You know, it famously is a commission-free platform, so it makes money by paying, uh, selling on payment for order flow, and doing these partnerships with custody, so that those entities can make money on kind of the back end without having customers be aware of it. Um, Tara. Yeah, they were involved. They've been heavily involved in a lot of these markets. So, Brad, I assume you're talking about the August deposition. Is that the one? Because that's that's not that didn't break today. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was it was in August. You're right. It was in August. Yeah, it's it's, it's not. Do you, do you did you read the transcript at all from it? I read the transcript that I the short transcript where he just kept pleading the fifth. Yeah, I mean, so. Again, you know, he's 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 a the SEC is not, as far as the public knows, not investigating him or or jump directly. What they're doing is he's a material witness in the Terra Labs case, and they deposed him about his involvement and knowledge with with Terra Labs and the UST peg. 
And, and those are all the questions. Like, you know, for example, they asked him, you know, when uh, did you ask Oquan to lift the vesting conditioning exchange for jumps agreement to buy up the USD to restore the peg? And he, he objects to it. And then he, you know, asserts his, his Fifth Amendment right, which, you know, you're, you're entitled to do. I've had clients do that all the time. You can, if, you, if there's potentiality of criminal uh, charges, you don't have to answer. Um, now, you know, th does it look good? Absolutely not. But like, this is not really new news about what's going on currently with, with jump crypto. Right. Have you f heard anything about jump in the last couple of months? Yeah, I'm not going to answer that one. But the, the point is like, we, we, what we're talking about is an old story. This is Joe's this leading is the fifth. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just remember they like backed out of the crypto markets in like May in the United States. Well, Solana's been pumping like crazy lately, and they were one of the bigger market makers for that whole thing. So I just wonder, you know, as as yeah. it really resolved all this nonsense that didn't really get, you know, there was no final capitulation, and it seems to me like there's still a lot of actions that are left to be taken from the the previous bubble. And, and yeah, it's not going to be resolved anytime soon. None of this yeah. will ever be resolved in the near future. I agree. One of the things that's happening that's really curious to me is why everyone is talking about Solana. Um, Solana is the SAM coin. Jump paid the 300 whatever million dollars to bail out that Solana dependent bridge uh, wormhole. Uh, Solana is like intimately involved in FTX's finances and all of a sudden everyone is talking about how Solana is totally shed everything involving FTX and is the new Ethereum killer and is better than ever. And they're having like lobbyists and tons of like dev cons and everyone is like, this is the rebirth of this amazing blockchain. So someone's paying for all of this. I got heavy bags to dump, Baron. It's that simple. Yeah. And so that's very curious. And Jump is involved, like obviously in the very middle of Solana by like directly bailing out the wormhole bridge and being part of this whole like uh, preposterous NASDAQ on the blockchain thing. So I, yeah, I think it's really interesting to follow what Jump is up to. Sam, did you have something you wanted to say? Well, in terms of Jump, like I think they were just heavily, heavily involved in Luna. I think that's um, kind of the more interesting thing rather than Solana. I mean, there was that worm hack, wormhole hack where they plugged it with $300 million, which is nuts, which just shows how much money they were making. But well, apparently... Yeah, the, the, the little bit of the story there is that Jump was the one that built Wormhole. And they well, had... Yeah. So they basically bailed themselves out, and then they raised $180 million for a pre-sale ICO for the Wormhole after they bailed it out. So it was pretty much just like, you know, in one end of... Yeah, uh, but just... To have that liquidity on hand, I mean, I guess they made potentially a profit of $1.2 by selling Luna tokens. And them at Three Arrows Capital helped, you know, raise money for the Luna Foundation. Um, and then after all this happened, after the FTX and Luna collapse, that's when they came out when there was a lot of scrutiny and, and they said, quote unquote, regulatory, regulatory uncertainty. That's when they said they're backing out of the U.S. crypto markets entirely. And same thing with Jane Street, but they did it globally, where Jane Street said, we're not touching this stuff globally anymore. Um, so I think they like, got a lot of scrutiny for their involvement with Terra Luna. And I think some of these things are still ongoing. But right now, from some of those headlines back in May, sounds like Jump has taken a back seat or at least removed themselves from the U.S. markets. 
Um, and that's where it stands, I think, right now. But their involvement with Luna and Terra, um, that whole thing, when it started to collapse and they tried to keep the peg at $1, and um, they, were, they were heavily involved with that and remains to be seen like what's going to be the outcome of all that. But yeah, very, Kanab, very interesting. Kanab Korea at Jump is, or, or was, I don't think exists anymore, on the council, like the Lunar Foundation Guard Council. You know, and then during that um, depegging, the the council or the foundation transferred, I think, fifty thousand Bitcoin, uh, and that was transferred to Jump, and that was when Doquan said he was trying to, you know, deploying capital, steady lads, trying to find the price of of Terra. Um, yeah, so, Aaron, uh, is it Korea? Is that how you pronounce it? Kanav, Korea. Yeah, that's the deposition that Brad is referring to. Okay. He was deposed, and he was the one who asserted the fifth. Yeah, and another, I don't, to be clear, I'm not aware. I don't think Jump has been, Jump is not being sued Jump directly. They're just, uh, at least I haven't They're heard. a witness. It was a witness. The SEC has a case against Terraform Labs. So so that's that's what Brad's referring to. There was a deposition in August of Korea. I've got another question, Aaron. Like, I haven't been following this either, but apparently uh, Mike <laughs> Norgret Nor has taken over you know, he's got a contract to manage the assets of FTX. And I would like to know, is that real? What's like, can he be selling assets to pump Luna? I mean, to pump uh, Solana? Like, I'm just curious what the relationship is there with with uh, Galaxy and FTX assets. I don't know. Give me off this clown car with, with the no regrets. Someone else can take it. I have no idea what's going on with the guy. Yeah, Brad, you and uh, Aaron, I think, should get a room at some point by the end of the day here. you got a lot of questions for him. But I want to say Hoddle's up here, and he hasn't said anything yet. How's it going, man? Yeah, I don't I don't know a lot about Jump Crypto, because that's a shitcoin company, Brad. Jesus fucking Christ. Who cares? Thank you for that. Anyway, how's it going? Good. How are you What's feeling? What's up? How's your, 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 I'm um, I'm yeah, feeling yeah. the the bullishness creep in, you know. I mean, listen, it's been two years of us just getting punched in the dick repeatedly, so it's nice to have a slight reprieve. Um, but I'm trying to measure myself because having been through enough cycles, I know it's likely that we're you know we're probably going to see a dump between here and I don't know the having next Christmas somewhere in there. There will be probably some decently significant dump and i would like to say that like let's say we go to let's say we go to 48 we run to 48 and then we crash back like to 58 20. yeah okay 58 but even 48 we we go from 48 crash back to 24 that is going to feel extremely painful um so i would just mentally prepare yourself for something you, like that to occur you think uh -huh. we could crash back to 24 really yeah, very quickly. Anything can happen. Yeah, this is Bitcoin. Any, anything can happen. You're not going to yeah. catch it. Oh. I'm thinking about 2019 a lot, how we went up to like 14,000 and then crashed back down. This this year feels very similar to 2015 to me. And in 2015, uh, we basically had like this doubling of the price. You know, we went up like 100% for that year near the end of the year. And then 16 was like a slow, steady stair step up. And then 17 obviously went bananas. So I don't know, you know, the past is no indicator of the future, but that's what it feels like to me, a guy who's been here for a while. Hey, Hoddle, you know how I know we're going up from here? 
because Peter Brandt is selling his Bitcoin today. He's selling That's always his a good signal. Yeah. Doesn't he have a thing about uh, some type of rubber bands or something? I don't know. Yes, yes. He's the rubber band. <laughs> it's the rubber band model. So, yeah. But then again, listen, this has been a surprising Bitcoin cycle. And I would not be surprised to see Bitcoin break all-time high before the uh, – like, that could happen too. So, I don't know. Just keep fucking <laughs> stacking and hodling. Like, that's the only answer for everybody. Throw everything out that you think you know. Throw it out the window. Just buy and hot. Or sell it. You don't have to throw it out the window. You sell it and then buy more Bitcoin. Okay, sell what you think you know and buy more Bitcoin. Yeah, sell everything you know and buy more Bitcoin. Zach Shapiro, good morning. Welcome to the stage. Hey, how's it going? Good. You have any thoughts, comments, questions? Glad the price is up. It's definitely... Uh... Exciting to see, regardless of why it's happening. It kind of feels like somebody stole half our money, and then they gave us back like a they recovered like a little bit of it, and just, you're like, just some just some pocket money. Yeah, you're like, where's the rest of my shit? Bring it all back. Yeah, you. This is I'm owed sixty nine k Bitcoin. Okay, I can have my money back. Yeah, but but Hoddle, everyone who's been. Daily DC Yang is in profit now. So you do have all your money back. Somebody tell Udi Wertheimer. He's going to be shocked. I think everyone who's been daily DC Yang is now over 20% in profit minimum. So even if you start at the all time high, you're over 20% in profit now. Hey, American Hoddle, have you, have you bought another car yet? I do own. I, I know you own cars. I want to know if you bought another one yet. Uh, they're on they're on lease, so no, I don't own it. It's on ah, lease. okay. Well, then we are not in a bull market. <laughs> Is there a major asset class where if you DCA'd for a sufficiently long period of time, you wouldn't be in profit? Only like, the not ones that go up forever, Joe. No, I'm serious. Like, isn't that true of every asset class? Yeah, well, yeah. Because fiat is going to zero. Yes. But no, in, I mean, if you DC in real, daily in real into the S and P five hundred, you're made off like like a bandit over the last like. Well, right. yeah. Because also, it's the thing monetized. with when you talk about DCA versus lump sum, actually, lump sum is better ninety five percent of the time. But unfortunately, in Bitcoin, it seems that most people buy that five percent of the time where it's not better. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, because the very time they're asking about it is like the worst time to buy it. That's right, why they get it. Right. Because it's all over the press and news and, you know. But still, slow and steady wins the race. And Bitcoin, I do think Bitcoin DCA is important from the perspective of Bitcoin is hyper volatile and hyper emotional. Um, and Bitcoin is either going to the fucking moon or it's going to crash. I mean, Bitcoin's not like a productive asset like you know apple computer or something so you can't fall back on like well there's still gonna be this many iphones sold it's like no there there is a world in which you know bitcoin goes to zero for whatever weird reason right but i think many of us in the room believe that the chances of that are infinitesimally small whereas the normative view is that the chances of that are extraordinarily high right uh so it's just you know i think and the, and the truth is probably somewhere in between yeah, well, no, we're right. No. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I think that the the DCA thing helps people smooth that extreme emotional volatility because, you know, we've all seen that volatility just absolutely destroy people, even people who are good seasoned hodlers who should have known better. It just it just wrecks you emotionally. I, I actually think of it. Well, I'm weird, but I think of it the opposite way, because let's say you get an inheritance and let's say that that inheritance was $350,000 and you got it a month ago. I mean, I'd be fucking sweating balls right now thinking I could have smash bought and gotten a billion Satoshis. And now I'm sitting here like a fucking idiot. And, you know, I'm probably not even going to get, you know, half of that with my two year DCA plan. Yeah. So <laughs> that's know, why, like, that's that why a lot so of people. Stressful. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I agree with that. That's why a lot of people, they'll, they'll if they have three hundred fifty thousand, they'll buy half now or half a month ago in your case, and then the other half they buy over time. Could be two years, could be six months, could be six weeks, whatever. And yeah, this I, way, you minimize the period should never be longer than than two years would be max because that's kind of like a bear market length. And so, if you timed it perfectly, that'd actually be better. If you caught, if you started seeing at the very, very pico top into the bear market, that'd be great. But anything longer than two years, yeah. you're starting to get back into like bull market territory, and then it's just you know, just fucking smash by. You know, don't, don't on average, yourself. yeah, on average, um, yeah. we're gonna have. I predict we'll have longer bull periods and longer bear periods, just because Bitcoin's so young. It's what 13 years old. It's a teenager, so there's just not enough data. There's just not enough data. So. Um, your data is statistically insignificant, even if you are significant to me, Wicked. Definitely looking for more data. I'm happy that our data rate is slowly but surely increasing. It's nice having lots of data. Pause. <laughs> What's up, Dustin? How's it going? Hey, good morning. Good morning, Bitcoin. This is exciting. Something to wake up to. Yeah. I just feel like emotionally we all need like, you know, a couple of updates like we've been having. Like, usually we get that every year or something. And I feel like it's just been years. I've lost track of time. <laughs> this bear market. It's been two years. It's been legit two years. Solid. It's been 84 years. Painful. Very painful. It's 510 days of a bull market. What are you guys talking about? Some of us don't have like legacy Bitcoin and we've been acquiring. I know. I'm very happy for you guys. This is your super buying, bowl. We've been buying your bags, Hoddle. I know you've been <laughs> slowly trickling it on all of us. Does this feel Hoddle, like um, the run up to 10K like in 2019, 2020? Went to, um, went to 13k 13k to 13k whatever 13, but yeah it was like 13 close to 14 actually the that what we didn't know at the time was that that was the plus token ponzi that was 20 2019 yeah. yeah we didn't know at the time that it was the plus token ponzi but what we all thought because we were all delusional is that it was people front running the having right <laughs> so looking back on it it seems exceptionally stupid hundred percent. Like people that um, people that know about the having have already sell all their money in Bitcoin, right? Like the, the having is not going to attract new buyers. But every cycle, people believe that. Like I find myself believing it. 
it's a good narrative. And so people who are new, right, they can be convinced at the margin to buy more Bitcoin or actually buy Bitcoin in size. I don't I don't know, guys. Like last cycle, we didn't have Joe Kernan on CNBC saying the habit's coming. Exactly. <laughs> and this cycle, we have Fidelity, BlackRock, Invesco, Franklin Templeton all managing over $1 trillion, uh, applying for and probably getting approved spot Bitcoin ETFs. Whereas last cycle, we just had Mass Mutual do. 100 million, and then I think New York Life did 50 or 150, and then it kind of stopped among institutions. Wait, 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 wait. Muhammad Al Arian as well. Yeah, Tesla. Okay, go, yeah. going back to the Joe, going back to the Tesla Joe Kernan thing. That's not traditional finance. So bad. Tesla. Going back so to bad. the going back to the Joe Kernan thing that Sam had mentioned. If you saw the video, the thing that cracks me up about it, he's got that vibe of the dude that's on the street naked and he's got like this billboard sign on his body that says the having is coming because his his co-hosts are like look at him like bro. <laughs> yeah, he's okay? like prepare for the having. <laughs> it's going to get well, crazy. Man. Well, want to hear the crazy reason uh, I, I heard on I actually saw it on Twitter today for why Bitcoin's pumping anybody interested in that yeah so today, today is today is a uh, Paul Montgomery lunar cycle uh, turn period. oh my god and this this guy this guy claims that the Bitcoin price will peak today because of lunar moon phase which he says has been saying. well documented for over 100 years and it will put in the top and go down from here Hey, it, don't it's talk. actually true, Joe, that the, the moon phase has about an 80% hit rate. It's, it's pretty that's crazy. What, that's, really. what he, that's what he's saying. I mean, he says, I've used it for stocks. I've used it for every asset. Today is the Paul Montgomery turn date. Bitcoin will peak and head down for here for the rest of the year. Hey, listen, man. Remember that witch uh, who was doing crypto predictions based on the moon or whatever? Her, yes. her TA yeah. was as good as anybody's, my friend. Uh, he did have good uh, TA. Um, you blocked me. Too, <laughs> Is that TNA or TA? Well, you went there, not me, Alex. But Hoddle, yeah. I'm actually, I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> no, I know. I'm interested, um, hearing your thoughts on what do you think the shitcoin altcoin thesis will be this cycle? Um, and also, what unknown events will kind of put a dampen on a Bitcoin bull run. Like we had the Chinese miners last cycle. We had Elon FUD with ESG. I know you think about this kind of shit and scenarios all the time. So just wondering if you've had thoughts. Yeah. So personally, I think I've, I've pinned this as my tweet. I think identity is the next uh, big, you know, shitcoin thesis bubble. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see that with friend.tech is like an early harbinger of that sort of like a BitCloud clone. And I also have this theory that like, the the bubble the seeds of the bubble are always found within the former so like in 2017 you had crypto kitties at the like tail end of you know that whole run and that ended up becoming the nft market and i think like bitclout was actually too early and you know identity is going to be this very sexy narrative that like basically it's making up all of these ethereum narratives make up for a fault in ethereum and one of ethereum's faults is that it's seeking right it's actively seeking regulatory capture and they need to add an AML KYC layer to DeFi, and they need to find a way to spin this as a positive. So they're going to spin it around digital identity, is, is my opinion. And listen, as much as I would like to say that the altcoins are never coming back, 
and that they're dead and blah, blah, blah. I think we just look at the Solana pump recently. Like there's too many VCs with too much money invested. They're still trying to, you know, set this thing up so that they can rug pull the average retail consumer club. And, you know, they're going to get away with it, I think, maybe one more time. So, you know, I would expect all coins to pump yet again, unfortunately. And I think identity slash AI will be, you know, basically the core thesis, if you want to call it that. And, and crypto VC activity has just picked up recently again. A16Z is doing their startup school and investing in a whole bunch of early stage stuff. Like, I think at least the players in that space have a bunch of money and are gearing up for another bull run with like illiquid early stage bullshit too. And what do you think might be something that will dampen this bull market? Any thoughts, any theories? Bitcoin running harder than alts. Uh, sucking sucking FUD, all the air out of the room. But FUD will come at Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, if, if Binance rates, exploding would be, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, Binance is a big cloud over everything. I think everybody sees that and maybe the market's priced that in i i don't know if you've read um the complaints and stuff and the ongoing investigation of the doj and the um did you read the response watch did you read the response to the motion uh, to dismiss that was filed the sec is going uh, i haven't yet yeah, yeah are they really yes i'll check it out. i'll check that out I've, I've been reading them up i just haven't read that one yet but um yeah i think that's like a cloud that's laying heading over this whole thing and We'll probably have to see that get cleaned out a little bit, but maybe the market's priced it in. And to Hoddle's point, like Uniswap just announced like AML KYC to their, you know, DeFi protocol. Um, so that's kind well, of to, the, well to their front end website. To their front end website, yes. Right. I'm curious your guys' thoughts on something. Imagine, so say Bitcoin just runs super hot, gets a ton of press, goes to 60K, just running really hot, going everywhere. Do you ever see the government going, oh, shit, this is spreading a little bit too fast. We got to attack the on-ramps and the off-ramps here. That's a bare scenario, in my opinion. I'm just curious what you think of that. Aren't they already doing that? They're already doing that with FinCEN and Lummis and proposed legislation on this sort of thing. But as of today, we can still take our Bitcoin off of an exchange and put it into a device. I'm, I'm wondering, is are they ever going to say, hey, you, you're limited to 10000 a month. You're limited to this amount of money. Well, if you, look at the, uh, if you look at the proposed bill from Elizabeth Warren, that goes much farther than that. It would require your hardware wallet to have to dox you. See, when we talk about like what's a bear scenario, that's a scenario that scares the shit out of me personally. And uh, I think more and more people need to realize how important that is, you know, to get their get it off as fast as possible sort of thing but the government the government wants to do two things and they're not going to stop until you know they have some sort of win in both arenas which is they want to dox you and then they want to tax you and the doxing is so that they can tax you and control you so like those are the two things they want out of you Uh, another thing on the on the positive side of bitcoin if i was going to put on my salesman cap for bitcoin is Wire transfers now are like 40 bucks at, at the bank that we're using right now. So I was just having a conversation with my banker. Like, how, how the hell did you guys get an extra $1,200 in fees from us this month? And it turns out they're charging us $40 a wire transfer and they're charging us $15 for each incoming wire transfer. And that adds up after a while. So like little things like that and all these different miscellaneous fees, they're charging 50 cents per transaction. So if you're a business doing thousands of transactions a month, that, that adds up. All these different things that they're having to do. And I think this is because they're paying too much money on interest right now. They're paying about 4.5%. And I don't think these banks can continue paying that kind of money on, on these accounts. And I so mean, they're going to start coming after the consumers, which is a big thing for somebody for something like Bitcoin. 
that's just another thing that's on my mind a little bit. I mean, but have you heard of the FedNow system? Like, I, I hear that is like very convenient, settles instantly, and they have a great sense of humor. <laughs> the, the bank, the, just, just so you, Rob, just so you understand, the banks aren't absorbing that full extra five percent. That money is parked in reverse repo or parked in treasuries, and the banks are actually making money on that. When, when you get a rate from the, your bank for storing your cash, it's usually under what you could do through a money market account or through treasuries yourself. They just do it for the convenience. They actually make money from the spread. By the way, just at that point real quick, um, you know, I understand your point about wires, you know, having friction. But, you know, for the average consumer, there's way more friction to go into Bitcoin and then start sending Bitcoin around. So we're not going to compete on you know fees for wires anytime soon and also i don't know if anybody's checked the mempool but uh yeah, getting more expensive to send around it's yeah not much better. i mean it's it's <laughs> harder to onboard than it is to onboard with a bank but at this point i like at least for international wires i solidly prefer stable coins i would rather get usdc than an international wire oh sending yeah trying to send anything internationally through the traditional system is is just absolutely fucked so i agree Best way to orange pill somebody oh. with uh, high net worth, show them that you can transfer money internationally in 10 minutes. By the way, if you're um, thinking of, if you're a person and you're hearing this either on the podcast or live, if you're thinking of taking a large position in Bitcoin, I am, my suggestion to you is stop waiting. Because what's happening from my perspective is that large transactions are under a lot of scrutiny with banks right now. They're stopping wires, they're halting wires for whatever friggin' reason they want. And then, you know, some of these things take up to weeks to, to actually get them to do what you want after they request tons of paperwork. So it's getting really weird out there. So if you're thinking about deploying large amounts into Bitcoin, my suggestion is do it sooner rather than later. When and I guess try what? When you're, when you're, uh, when you're, when you're self-custodying, you get to be the bank. No one can stop you. They require a yeah, blood sample. Anything over a hundred grand, these banks require a blood sample from your fingertip to, to transfer a hundred grand. Let me tell you, it's insane the shit that they make you go through to spend a hundred grand or more on a wire. It's it's ridiculous. Are you guys seeing any um, anecdotes about credit unions and community banks, or do they continue to be more uh, pro business and pro customer in terms of wires and so forth to Bitcoin companies? I'm not I'm not sure about that. What I what I know is, is that um I use a credit union and it's a really good one and I've used it for geez a long time, um almost 20 years now. And they've never like arbitrarily blocked a transaction until earlier this week. Never seen that happen before. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a one-off, maybe it means nothing, but uh I don't know. It, it seems to me like this might be something to pay attention to. So back back to bear scenarios. So we live in reality. Um, in addition to what Sam said, what do you guys think about the government actions against Barry Silbert? That's more than New York AG and Digital Currency Group, and also all the stuff about Tether. Yeah, I, th okay. I think it'll be interesting to see if Barry crossed the line. And did something that was outright criminal, or it'll be interesting to see if these the civil action unmasks something criminal. So we're gonna find out. But definitely, I 
I per, Terrence personally, I was super surprised by it because I thought Barry was a much more sophisticated player than this. But greed and fear come for us all. I would say Barry has benefited greatly from this price run up. It's exactly what he needed. Uh, having so much Bitcoin in the trust. I mean, they're rolling it. They needed Bitcoin to go up right now, given all their expenses that they have. Um, but it, what's interesting is the Genesis creditors who you know loaned Bitcoin to Genesis and they want to get Bitcoin back. But there's like arguments that when Genesis filed for bankruptcy, the price of Bitcoin was like 21000 and they might get paid, pay, get paid back in cash. So they won't get paid back in kind. They might get paid back in cash. And so they've missed this entire run-up uh, to, you know, whatever we're at, 37000 um, on their Bitcoin. It's just another example of why you don't give your Bitcoin to, <laughs> to third parties because these people are like suffering right now. You know, their Bitcoin's trapped on Genesis and they might get paid back in cash at a price of Bitcoin of 21000 That's brutal. Do you think that Argentinian prime minister Bitcoin guy is going to get elected? Doesn't seem likely. Seems like the fix is in down there. Are you ready? The fix. Wink, wink. Sure, we're not interfering. No, uh, in a South American uh, democracy, we would never. Terrence. <laughs> We're the good guys, right? Right? You you were talking about this last night on uh, Bitcoin Veterans, Alex, or or uh, Preston Pish was. And, and you wonder why Alex's credit union is not as nice to him. <laughs> so anecdotally, I've had issues with my credit union, not with not with um, Bitcoin companies in particular. Um, or exchanges, but with just in general, trying to move even small. Complain a lot, and they want you to change uh, banks. Trying to move even small amounts of of money, and in particular, trying to withdraw cash, is an onerous kind of process. They charge us to give them cash. You know that they charge us a a, a solid percentage of each dollar bill. And I think it's like one percent or something along those lines. That they charge a, a actually a pretty strong amount of money just to give them hundred dollar bills. Rob, I, I went to a bank. I was helping out a friend. I went to a bank to deposit cash into their account, and they told me they don't take cash. This was Chase. I think it's a good time for everybody who's listening to like, if you have a certain amount of money in a bank, obviously over a quarter million, you need to have multiple bank accounts because it's only insured, even whatever that even means, FDIC insured these these days. But I'm uh, personally for the business accounts and stuff, just getting multiple bank accounts, just every single bank that doesn't charge any fees for 30 grand and up or something, just give 30 grand to that bank, 30 grand to this bank, whatever, and have four or five of them that all, you know, so you have some sort of access in case one of them doesn't work. Another scary thought, though, is all these banks consolidating. 
so our we had a smaller bank that got bought out by U.S. Bank, and uh, if if more and more banks are consolidating, then that jeopardizes a free market. So if you have a lot of banks competing with one another, they're going to give you better rates, different things that are going to be a good thing. But if they're all consolidating, then they can start you know working with each other to not give us the same amount of stuff that they that you would in a free market. Yeah, I feel that's happening over time and definitely a concern, but we still have thousands of banks. It's just not as many as before, but it's a lot better than Canada and what's going on in Europe and other highly regarded nations. Do you guys think that this whole bank consolidation effect is an inevitable, eventual response in a, in a fiat system where they're constantly blowing the money up? Yes, because it's easier to control and influence the banks if you just have a few of them that are totally dependent on you and you have this revolving door of top regulators going to the big banks and going back to the to top regulatory jobs. So it's there's multiple ways in which um, the fiat system benefits from and the lizards, as you would say, benefit from having um, consolidation and just a few banks. Well, from an operational standpoint, look how easy it is to be a bank. It's digital nothingness. What a great business model. You know, you don't have to hold anything. It's, it's a digital number on a screen. It's like it's so easy to just expand that across the entire globe because all you have to do is have some little funny, funny little sign somewhere saying Chase Bank and you just go in there and have some digital screens to work with. They're already doing it. There's not even going to be tellers in the near future. We just go in there and they just provide little pop-up shops with the screen for people to interact with. It, that I think that's going to be huge and how, how easy it is to expand that. I mean, from a business perspective, I love that business model. That's easy as hell. Okay, give us some fancy screens and just keep buying little storefront pop-ups and keep it going. It's easy. Until you get a bank run. People in lines, lines and lines and lines around the corners just to go interact with a little touchscreen display. <laughs> it's so messed up, man. So what do you guys think of Tether? Is that the third rail? We're not allowed to talk about it. How many, how many billions in Tether were just printed? Do you really believe they just printed out of thin air, though? I don't. Yeah, I don't. I think there's actual demand. I think it would have all collapsed by now. It's been going on for so long. If it was as Ponzi, Man, I don't as know, Ponzi bro. As people make it think. Some of these things can go on a long time. Well, they're they're impressive then. If it is a, some sort of like scam, because they've gone longer than anyone else. And you're right. It doesn't mean it can't collapse, but I, I mean, okay. So here's the thing you gotta, you gotta ask the question about is, is that like, if they, if there's demand and they're creating tether, right. That do, what do they do? Do they have to take the U S dollars and then buy the assets backing it? So there is delay there. No, I mean, they're not going to buy the assets before they have the new money coming in. Right. Nobody wants to touch that, huh? Wouldn't, wouldn't, I mean, there's a lot of people who use Tether, but if they were fucking around, wouldn't the market kind of sniff that out and it would collapse pretty quickly? 
Well, Ethereum has a huge market cap. They're messing yeah. around. But they're I not printing. Know, I think scams can... Ethereum, though. Like, you know, in that way. <laughs> and then your unregistered security pumping and dumping. Well, that's true. Launching other that's unregistered a, that's, securities. That's a different thing, though. I mean, if you got a bunch of people just printing but, fake okay. stable coins, then I feel like... Oh, I see. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Then the stable Seriously. coin becomes not so stable pretty quickly. <laughs> right? I don't know. Maybe Tether's just so big that it's hard to sniff that out. I don't, I don't know. Alexander, good morning. Do you have a thought, comment, question? Hello, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, good evening from here. Yes, I would like to have, or I have a question. What do you guys think? How big is the threat in percentage that they close the on-ramps when these CBDCs are coming? Thank you. I hope they do that. No CBDC is accepted here for Bitcoin. You have to work for it now. If they did that, it would be temporarily scary to the people who are hoping for the big moon and all of that other stuff. And it would be like, a, it would have a huge dampening effect, maybe for a very long time. And there's an argument to be made that, you know, people may just turn away from it and after that. What you're saying, I think a country who does that is actually you should really think about leaving that country. But I'm seeing that this is coming. I mean, well, again, it will still be there. Bitcoin will still be chunking along, still available for use. So it's just one of those things. I personally believe, and I'm probably wrong. I personally believe that when they make big moves like that, again, the scared are going to fall off. But this protocol, that's not going to kill the protocol magically. There is a thing called the prisoner's dilemma yeah. that we talked about. Some of this stuff is going to come into play. I'm not trying to say that it's not going to be like a majorly jarring event if they were to suddenly try to shut down, you know, the on-ramps in the U.S. or whatever and say all you could use is CBDC or, or their paper Bitcoin. It's not going to stop people from using true Bitcoin and holding true Bitcoin. People forget that 92% of this stuff is already moving around. It's just, you know, it's already been distributed to most of the holders. It, you know, it, it's, it's not something that I worry about too much, personally. Hey, Battle Ant, you going to be around for a minute? Yeah. We're going to co-host you. Ooh, make me co All right, I think I got it now. Sweet. I don't know. When I say that stuff, y'all probably think I'm, you know, being a moon boy or being, uh, you know, short-sighted or whatever. I mean, it's just something that I believe and I have believed for a long time. Like, I personally want the U.S. to ban Bitcoin. Like, that would be <laughs> – I know you guys probably wouldn't like that, but I would love to see that personally. It's not dissimilar to um, every time there's a mass shooting, there's threats of legislation, and then people buy 
guns. A lot of people just buy guns in anticipation. And they're not going to turn them in. At least many, many people, if not most Americans, will not turn in their guns, even if it's illegal to. That's a fantastic analogy, Terrence. That that makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, there's the old idea around, at least, you know, growing up in Texas, the the old statement that people used to make is, and I don't know if they say it over there too, where y'all are, but growing up, it was always, if you outlaw guns, then only the outlaws will have guns. And you can apply that across multiple, you know, things. And Bitcoin's no, no different. You outlaw Bitcoin, people will still use Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, it's like. I feel like there's going to be this period of like a great hold where people don't want to move their Bitcoin around for a good period of time. And then because there's not only that they don't want to move it around, but also that they're a little bit scared if there's going to be some sort of reverse trail of things, because a lot of Bitcoiners are going to end up going, I forgot the passwords. I don't remember. I don't know. It's some digital nothingness I bought years and years ago and put it in a thing. I, I forgot, you know, that that scenario. But then the problem is then they're going to be modern monitoring that ledger for a little while. And then eventually, you know, they're going to lose lose power or something along those lines. But um, the beautiful aspect of it is what Ant just said is that it can splinter into sats. And so it's, it's too late. It's like if they're, they're trying to stop it now, it's way, way too late, way too much has escaped. Well, what people don't want is to be stacking, especially noobs, you know, stacking a bunch of stuff. You're finally getting off zero. You've sold all your chairs and, you know, cause some people online told you to, and like, you still don't fully understand it, but you've got some, a pretty sizable stack after a couple of years of hanging out. And, uh, now next thing you know, your stack is worth quite a bit. Uh, thanks to the movements of Bitcoin and everything you're holding and you're like treating Bitcoin as a savings account. And, and, you know, you, you, you're moving all your money into there as you can dollar cost averaging or whatever. And then they close the on-ramps and the price tanks and the asset that you're holding is now worth like way less. And your, your personal savings that you've been building are worth, worth, you know, way less in, in dollar terms. But I mean, it's not a meme. Like we still have the Bitcoin is still there. You still have that same amount. And, you know, the purchasing power may have change temporarily but look bitcoin is volatile for many many different reasons and this is no different than you know any other asset that humans have tried to value on this planet i personally believe not to get off topic but i mean it's it's related that you know the the idea that money has to be stable is kind of tied to this like fiat fallacy backed by something i mean if you look at all these assets around the world like humans didn't always have a way to track volatility on like the the value of gold across different you know it's like it doesn't work that way with real money and yes it would tank the value i may not be able to buy as much today but i see that as a forward movement because now what now what's going to happen rip the band-aid off in this in this scenario um that we're talking about of cbdc's and closing the on-ramps what does BlackRock and Fidelity um, have to say about this? I mean, isn't there going to be some pushback from some pretty large actors in the TradFi space? No, I would think it would be the opposite. Like, it benefits them. It would be the opposite. 
that's a great way to trap a whole crap ton of capital in these ETFs that that the government then has easy access to if they want it. Yeah, and they have a they have an excuse to not offer uh, redeemable uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs where you can withdraw for real Bitcoin and turn in your ETF shares. If other competitors can't do it, then they don't have to do it, right? They're not going to be the first ones to do it. I don't see Fidelity and BlackRock doing that. It's just not how they operate. Um, the BlackRock's gold ETFs do not allow for redemption of physical gold, for example. I want to say good morning to Jordan, I assume, on the Bitcoin Veterans Handle. If you're a veteran, by the way, or active duty or first responder, we've got these groups firing up all over the country, United States right now. We've also got veterans that are joining from, we have veterans from Australia, from the UK, et cetera. These are all Bitcoiners. If you're a Bitcoiner or you're Bitcoiner curious, follow that handle, shoot them a DM, say, hey, add me to these groups. There's lots of cool stuff going on there. We just did a, a pod last night with Preston Pish. Next week, we're going to be doing a pod with Corey Clipston. Good stuff. Hey, uh, I'm at the airport, so I'm just going to make this short and sweet. We had an awesome episode yesterday with Preston. Uh, just, I'm just still electrified by the conversation. It, it was absolutely amazing. Um, and then, like Alex said, we are growing rapidly. We are changing up our organization to be able to expand. And it's just awesome to see everybody, all the support from everybody here, everybody that listens to the show on a regular basis and contributes. Um, it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome to see what's, what this is becoming. It's very cool what you guys are doing. And I think there's such a massive uh, untapped market in the veterans community um, and the first responders too, and you know, what Dom is doing as well. So kudos to you guys. It's very, very cool. What uh, Jordan, you're doing and Gabe, I know Gabe, I think Gabe was down there. I see him or saw him earlier and Alex um, just very, very cool. And what a, what a uh, initiative to get people who are inclined to understand what's going on here. Um, boy, oh boy. I we wanted to touch on really quick though, too, Joe, I saw your um, tweet this morning. It's from last night, I believe, but um, just talking about the, you know, the swings in the Bitcoin price and how you would, he would mentioned it, you know, again, even at a hundred, which I, I think they probably could go much more. And I, I know you said hundred and above that most people will still family, friends, you know, media, uh, whoever it is dismissing Bitcoin is irrelevant. And only when it becomes necessity rather than a preference, will critics finally give up? And I just, boy, that there's going to be a truer statement. And it, it made me think of, and I read this this morning as well, about Brittany Griner, which is, you know, it seems completely unrelated, but to to Joe's point, she has softened her stance. As, as many people know here that she was protesting, would stand in the locker room for the, this is my, the veterans, uh, this is the going from one point to another here, but this is, uh, she would protest and stay in the locker room during the WNBA games uh, for the national anthem. And after being arrested, she now has, has changed her stance, uh, as you might assume. And she, she said it just hits different when asked to predict her mood if she plays in the 2024 Olympics. She said that listening to her anthem and watching the flag go up, it's going to be a lot of emotions. And I probably won't be able to hold that one back. It's going to be a lot. Very, very, very few people will understand that emotion. So very cool what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, we're on the mission. It's, it's, we're, we're here for truth at the end of the day and trying to find truth. Uh, and I just, I just want to commend you guys. So thank you for what you guys are doing.
it's been something that I've uh, kind of struggled with myself, um, having, you know, been lied to about the wars and stuff and taking part of that and feeling like, ah, you know, like, you know, fuck this flag or whatever that almost having that like attitude towards it. Um, but then realizing like, no, people lied, like the flag, what it represents, like that didn't, that didn't lie. Like we still have a lot of freedoms and a lot of great things. Don't let, and, and I'm telling myself this, don't let what these lying psychopaths have done uh, discourage you from the promise that like still is America, the good people that are here just because they're screwing up politics doesn't mean our culture is screwed up and we need to keep fighting for that. Yeah. What a, what a brilliant point, Jordan. And it, it really goes back to this, this patriotism people have for the dollar, you know, it's right, left, doesn't matter, friends, family, people that they think the dollar is somehow patriotic and you hit the nail on the head. You know, it's, it's the flag You know, the flags, you know, thread at the end of the day, right? The thing itself is not what it's, what it stands for. You know, it's the, it's the constitution, it's the bill of rights. Those are the things to be patriotic for and what the flag represents, not the flag itself or not, you know, certain entitlement programs or not the dollar piece of paper. And I think we've just conflated so many of these issues and lumped them all into one, centralized them, if you will. And it's really confused the, the public in mass, you know, but it's been decades of that confusion and centralization, obviously. Well, part of it is people just don't think about it. You know, it's, it's one of those things. Nobody I know swore an oath to defend the Federal Reserve or the chairman of the Federal Reserve. They all swore an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States of America. So it's very easy for people to get confused about that stuff. Well, what's scary is they're getting they're getting the children first. I mean, when I was a kid, it was a normal thing at your first period of your day at school to go, all right, raise your hand, right hand over your heart, repeat after me, you know, and it, but a lot of people tend to forget, like I was on, um, I was on a date with this girl and I'm like, what, what kind of government do you think we have? Of course, this is one of the conversations I'll have as a big winner, but and, and they're like every single time they they say democracy. And the only way you have to, you have to get back with them is to say, can you recite the Pledge of Allegiance for me real quick? You think it's a democracy? Recite the Pledge of Allegiance real quick. Oh, and to the Republic for which it stands. Really? Oh, interesting. It's in the pledge for the actual, you know, for the, it's in the Pledge of Allegiance. Interesting. That's the way that works. But I think about it. They're getting rid of the Pledge of Allegiance in our school system, not only to make kids, you know, not say that, not use the word God, which what's wrong with that? What is, it's insane to me that that's a, that's a thing. But then on top of it, it doesn't tell you what type of what type of government we have. If if they don't understand the Pledge of Allegiance, that's like the first. There's a reason why that's put in the Pledge of Allegiance, so that they understand that democracy's mob rule and the founding fathers of this country didn't believe in a democracy. Uh, but they're they're getting them from the bottom, you know, and starting them as children. They don't. They, that's the that's what scares me about this country. It's like a lot of us do understand the Constitution, and a lot of us are patriotic about that. But now. How many children do you think if you, Alex, if we were to go to a college right now and you asked a hundred kids at that college, what type of government do we have? What do you think they would answer? Yeah, they would say it's a democracy, but they don't even actually realize that it's not a democracy. They think it's a democracy and they also don't like it. <laughs> I, I think back to like schoolhouse rock where I think they talked about the Constitution being like this flexible document that can be interpreted however you want. And that's what makes it so great is because you can just do whatever the fuck you want with it. And it kind of slapped me across the face a couple of years ago. It was like, holy shit, that was just pure leftist indoctrination.
1981, I attended the last uh, iteration of a civics class in the high school that I went to. Yeah, and it's like there's not there's not even an alternative presented too. It's not like well, some people think it's you know this squishy document that you can just wipe your ass with, and then the other half of people think you should read it literally because it's it's a law, you know, like thirty five mile an hour speed limit still applies when it's two in the morning and there's nobody on the road, you know, that's not some squishy like interpretable thing, right? So I don't know, call me crazy, I guess. And Rob, just so you know, the uh, uh, In God We Trust was added to the Pledge of Allegiance, I think, in the 50s. Still remember when that happened, Peter? No, <laughs> no, unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't. Um, but I just wanted to note that, that it was not in the original Pledge of Allegiance, and that was added. That was cold, man. That was cold, man. How's it going, DJ? Valerie? Hey, you guys. Aloha. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm in El Salvador right now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me up. Um, happy Thursday. So I wanted, this is perfect timing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary immutable democracy yet, the, what went on and, uh, what's still going on in Guatemala with the elections and, um, putting the votes on, uh, um, on Bitcoin and having them be uh, transparent. Does anybody know about this yet? Nope. Oh boy, this is a good one. So it's perfect timing. Um, so uh, this gentleman, Rafa and Javier, they're from Guatemala. Rafa had to leave the country because they're threatening him. Uh, but they, with the Guatemalan elections, they figured out a way to record the votes um, uh, on block on Bitcoin on the blockchain. And so, Say it again. You said so, they figured out a way to what? You cut out for a second there. So they're recording um, all the votes, all the um, that were happening in Guatemala, on on the blockchain on Bitcoin, and so everything's you know transparent, and they can go see like who voted for who. Um, and now this man has had to escape the country because they're threatening his life, and they're all the corrupt governments trying to. Um, you know, not have the election results validated through um, through this methodology, and so this is such. What, what is the oracle that they use, DJ Valerie, to 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 ensure the that the votes that are being standing. placed on chain are are actual votes? Okay, so here's what I. This is where I I need all of you smart people to talk with Rafa and his crew and bring him on and talk to them and let them tell you all the stuff because I'm going to mutilate it and make and not make it sound the right way. So. What I think it's super cool and interesting, obviously, that Bitcoin can do all of these things, but because it's this is a new use case for it to have transparent elections, um, I, I would love it if if you know you guys could bring him and the team up. But they did a big presentation, uh, two presentations uh, here at Adopting Bitcoin, and I got to talk to them last night. And uh, Nicholas Bertie introduced me to him, and he's like, "You've got to tell their story," and I'm like. I'm nobody. We need to get them on bigger shows like Alex's show and Natalie and Joe Rogan and everything. And so, um, so it'd be great if, if I could introduce you to them and maybe you guys could learn, but this is something super important, obviously with our democracy being annihilated and, you know, mutilated. And so I think it might be something cool to share. So 
I'll, I can talk to you guys offline and send you all the info. Okay. I, I think sure. it's fascinating because it, it, it always has kind of been surprising to me. Do you know how accurate the, the facial recognition is on your iPhone that most of us are talking on right now? It's, it's like one in a trillion to have your face on that iPhone. It's, it's that strong of a sensor that you just can't fool it with like a random face. So if you have a social security number and your iPhone and a blockchain and a face, I mean, it, it really, it, you should be able to vote accurately and be done within an hour. But the, I don't think leaders would want that because if it's a fair election, then we'd probably have a different president right now. You know, it's, it's exactly. And that's what we were talking about last night. Cause it's like, uh, and we were talking about obviously the corruption and all the folks who are in office right now down there in Guatemala, you know, so their accounts have gotten censored on Twitter because they've had all these bots just attack. Okay, let's let's do this yeah. because yeah. we don't know for a fact that they figured out how to solve the Oracle problem. I don't want to waste a bunch of time talking yeah, about this. Cool. Okay, so let's let's switch topics. Yeah. Sounds okay. great. Okay, Maybe I'll send on. you stuff on the side, and this will be, I hope, you know, it's useful for people. So, but anyways, aloha from adopting Bitcoin down here. I'm going to El Zante in a couple hours to go be with the coolest and kindest, smartest Bitcoiners on planet Earth, including everybody who's in this space. And uh, I just send you guys lots of love right now. Definitely. Will you please send it to me, DJ Valerie? I will send it. It's sent. Consider it sent. It's timestamp. <laughs> All right. I love you guys. Aloha. <laughs> Thanks, Val. When you guys. Alex or Ant or whoever, you know, you guys get your hands on that. Get uh, get Lono in that conversation. Um, I've talked to him a few times about this exact thing, and he has a massive problem with um, that kind of transparency. Not that he doesn't want, you know, credible elections, obviously, but his thing is you got to have it on paper. There, there's something to do with column 11 in Europe, you know, and, and a big problem, obviously, as we can see with people actually knowing who voted for who that can go both ways, uh, as, as yeah. you know, so that's just get Lono involved in that. Cause I would be very curious to see that conversation. Um, anyway, I just wanted to note that. Yeah. But the other thing, the other thing too, though, is like, why would Bitcoin blockchain be needed? Couldn't you just have any blockchain do that? Why would Bitcoin need to be the, the blockchain used to do an election? Mm. I guess if you want to have a record that that is not going to be easily sabotaged or erased or changed, why wouldn't you do it on the strongest proof of work chain? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of this use case when we start talking about using Bitcoin this way. I've said this, not yeah, just this way, problems. but I mean, but but yeah, I mean, that's it. It's I mean, if I had to use one, we're having to use one to to track this stuff. I wouldn't want to put it on some crappy little blockchain, you know. But and the part of, I mean part of it is, is exactly what's I don't remember who just said it, but it, but it's a very good point. Like how how do you actually verify these are real votes? And then once you do, like is are you doxing people's identities? I mean, it's it's the the oracle problem plus the identity. I mean, it's all of it. Like it seems like it could be a really bad idea if this stuff about Switzerland is correct, right? Where they're if it is public record where they can go in and search tax, rec tax records because it's public information apparently uh, or they can they can go find addresses and things like that i mean man i could see the really bad results from that really bad second and third order effects if you did that you don't remember the positive things i say but you remember what i said about the media all right you've said positive things in your life peter Occasionally. Yeah, these things that you're touching on, Alex, this is one of the reasons that 
I know that a lot of people talk about inscriptions having some use case, whether or not you like NFTs and ordinals and things like inscriptions have some use case. Like what if we could put, you know, something on the blockchain? What if we could put the Bible on the blockchain? What if we could put, you know, Assange's things on the blockchain? What if we could put all this stuff on there? But at the end of the day, it's like you still have to. I mean, anybody can put that stuff on there. So it's it doesn't mean that it's automatically true because it's on the Bitcoin blockchain. Like that's I can I can put the Bible and then replace God with Satan. You know, but but to be fair, guys, an election (laughs) is like the greatest possible use case for a blockchain. But you you still have to trust putting it there, Rob. Yeah, exactly. How do you know that? Exactly. But what's the what's the alternative? You know, these are the machines that we've been using that somehow paper. get a dementia patient no, in charge of the country. Paper. Technologies, but blockchains don't solve this is what we're trying to tell you. Yeah, it's paper. I don't know. I mean, look Go at what we did. Paper. Look at these mail these mail in ballots it's seem to not do a great a great thing. I don't know. It, it seems like to me that it, there is a, a way to do an election in a fast, efficient way. And doing a mail-in ballot or doing handwritten ballots just seems absolutely foolish in the future. So, and I know it's not going to be possible in the future. I mean, we've done it. We we've done it for yeah. Are, for are you happy decades. with the dementia patient running the country? Is that I'm not. It didn't really Easy, work out too brother. well for us. We didn't. We didn't do paper for this last one. So like, what the hell are you talking about? Anyway, we're dangerously close to getting into a political discussion that has nothing to do with Bitcoin. So let's, let's move on from that. Yeah, but Alex, Bitcoin has a blockchain and if we put it on the blockchain, then maybe it solves all of our problems. Did you guys check the post pump dump? I want to put my Uber Eats order on blockchain so he doesn't get it wrong. We had a little post pump down. The, the <laughs> bears, the bears are aggressive. We went, we almost broke thirty eight k. We're back down to thirty six and some change now. There was Thank a God. big pushback. Pump it up, pump it up to three thousand. Are you are you getting paid tomorrow or something? <laughs> no, I get paid again in two weeks, and I hope that it's back up eat, by then. Eat the pump this morning, son of a bitch. Well, but I didn't. But I I, I front run the dump though, as always. I specifically asked for a Pepsi. I earn more of it two weeks. And so I always want more for what I'm earning in the future. What's earned in the past is earned in the past. That's saved. Now I look forwards. You know, here's a topic that I think we should probably hit. Matesh Patel, like, put out a tweet talking about the difference between ETFs and self-custody because with the ETFs, you you know, there's going to be a bit of slippage because they charge fees, right? So because of that over time, and a lot of people may not be aware of this, but over time, what will happen is is that you lose a, a chunk of your stack to the fees. You know, over 30 years, you could lose... In some cases, you know, if it's up to 2%, I mean, you could, you could lose half the stack after 30 years or something close to that. So there's a big, big difference that a lot of people are not aware of between buying real Bitcoin and taking self-custody and buying one of these ETFs where they're charging you a fee and eating into your stack every, every year. We call this rent sinking. This is what's known as rent sinking. They'll learn the hard way, you know. They'll go to their retirement and they'll be like, oh, shit. Why is my retirement 50% lower than what Bitcoin would have been if I had just been stacking that? 
So it's a stepping stone to self-custody, I think, these products, once people learn that they're getting screwed. Oh, look, Mitesh just joined us. How are you doing, doing, Alex? Um, Yeah, thanks for the shout-out. Yeah, I just wanted to say this is part of the whole rent-seeking with the fiat system because this has been the case with traditional fiat investment instruments for years. Um, So I just... What, what I was trying to do with my table was highlight that it's the same bullshit if you buy the Bitcoin ETF. Um, they're playing the same game. And the whole point of us being in Bitcoin is to get out of that rent-seeking environment and custodying our own stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely don't use an IFA and uh, definitely avoid using the ETF. Yeah, you say that, but a lot of people are still going to do it. Why? Because they're like Mickey. They're lazy and risk-averse. They're using the same excuse. However, what they don't realize is, yeah, what you just said. That's fine. The lazy people will make less Bitcoin, and the people who are smart will get more Bitcoin, and that's good for the world. So that's out of context, Wicked. What the lazy comment is about is about not wanting to be a part-time like professional money manager. It's just fuck it, let's throw everything into Bitcoin, and you know we'll get out of all this risky shit. You know, with the layers of uh, counterparty risk and you know credit risk and all that stupid fiat stuff. Right. So that's the initial impulse, and then do they remain lazy over the next decade or two? Or do they do one weekend of learning and then learn how to take it into self-custody? And Let's that's be real, though. I'm it's like it's about. 30 minutes, bro. Like, Wicked has a great like, point. Like, it's 30 minutes to figure it out. If you can't figure it out in 30 minutes, then it is a good IQ test. You do want I, I'd give, nah, I'd give one weekend. I don't, I'd give them a weekend. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's an IQ test, and I don't think it's like – it depends on who you are. Like, a lot of my clients are older, and they're not comfortable with this stuff. And I but will tell you, because I, they can't learn it though. It's because they're afraid. Of no, it's not because you can't. But the thirty-minute thing is not correct. It's, it's so for some people, it takes longer. You know, like for some people, it takes them weeks. They do it in tiny little baby steps because they're they're pretty they're pretty worried about it. Weeks. It took me months to do it. Months. I was on breakfast, here. I was doing it. Breakfast. I was doing it live on Cafe Bitcoin or Bitcoin Breakfast with Bitcoin, whatever it was at the time. It took me. I had a hard. I had a. I had a cold storage device for six months before I used it. Sitting in the drawer. No, I was just afraid to do it. I don't know what the deal was. It's the fiat virus, and and it's 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 the unknown and the fiat virus and this idea that you. I'm telling you, the last fifty years, the liberty has been beaten out of us, just completely beaten out of us, and we've gotten so used to relying on the man to make sure that the, the babysitter that, you know, you don't even notice it. People don't even, I mean, they're starting to now, but this is the reason that, that the banks are getting away with what they're doing because people just accept it because the liberty has been beaten out of them. Well, you know what? I got opt out money. I've got separate state from, from money and the price of it is patience. And I have learned some patience. I think you'd be surprised though how fast people learn when necessity is a factor. You know, if you told if you told a hundred people, hey, you gotta make a hundred grand or your relative's gonna die, 
they'll figure out a way to make a hundred grand. But if you tell them make a hundred grand and there's no other thing that's going to happen, they'll sit around. They won't make a hundred grand. It just depends on how how necessary they think it is. But if you put a cold storage device on my counter and you said, hey, you're not going to have money in your bank account in the next week if you don't figure out how to use this device, you better be you better believe I'm going to figure out how to use that that little device pretty quick. You know, I, th- I think that that's something that's overlooked is if it if it's necessary, people learn real fast. One more point. Seeing an international transfer on Bitcoin, real time, live, I am telling you, people's jaws drop. That's what made me go big, was literally that. transfer. And honestly, the other way to learn it was super fast was just playing around with small amounts. I mean, you don't have to put your entire stack on a cold storage wallet right away. You get 20 bucks and throw it around different wallets and play around with it for a little bit. If you lose it, whatever. But just play with a small amount. And then once you see it transferring from wallet to wallet, I mean, you can't do a wire transfer on Sunday. Like, you know that that uh, in Wolf of Wall Street when they say, like, sell me that, sell me this pen. The, you have to create a demand in a way. If you wanted to sell me Bitcoin, Bitcoin on, it'd be like, okay, send me a wire transfer at 9 p.m. on a Sunday. Oh, you can't? Oh, your bank's not open? Oh, interesting. Because you can use this little device right here. That this it's really that simple. And it blew my mind when I saw it the first time. And with the QR codes that you can use now, it is so much easier to do. You just point the the little the little device at the QR code, it uploads it, signs the signs the transaction, and then creates a QR code. You turn the thing around, you put it in front of the computer screen, and it's super easy to do. I will say if there's something that did come something good that came out of this whole COVID thing. It's everyone's comfort with QR codes. <laughs> I feel like everyone knows how to use QR codes now, which is great because like using Bitcoin with QR codes is pretty, it's pretty nice. It's pretty sleek. Shout out to Orange Bill app in the audience, throwing you an invite if you want to come up. Hey guys, just one more thing about the ETF thing. So we all know we get rug pulled with the fees, but if we all believe in Jeff's booth, Jeff Booth's thesis, about um, you know them needing to print a lot of money in the future, that's going to involve redistributing wealth. So I think if you end up with like a million pounds or a million dollars in your pot, they may introduce some kind of new tax um, to say anyone with a pot higher than a million pounds, we're going to introduce this new additional tax on you. So you'll get rugged that way as well, in my opinion, on a multi-decade time horizon. Okay, eight minutes left in the show. I've got to go do some work. So um, let's start moving with closing comments here. I'm going to quote Mickey because I just love the quote. I buy Bitcoin because I'm lazy and risk averse. It's probably one of the best quotes I've heard in a long time. Well, wait, Mickey, you're not lazy because buying Bitcoin frees up so much more time, which makes you more productive, right? You don't have to worry about investing it. You can just save it. And now you have a bunch of free time to do, you know, write more articles and be more productive. Yeah. So I guess I have to explain this again, is that I do not want to be a part-time professional investor and I don't want all this bullshit fiat layered risk. So I save in Bitcoin. I take self-custody. And I say, fuck the traditional markets. And then I just wait. And you got any advice for the uh, new people 
going into this new bull market? Yeah, I would say keep learning. Now's the time. I mean, this is the time that you should be trying to figure up and close up your house of knowledge. Like try to understand what you're losing, what you're lacking, because uh, we've got a whole new cycle and it's going to come fast. If, if history is any, I know it's not an indicator of the future and whatever, but it's officially game on until it's no longer game on. And right now it's going it, to, it, when what we've seen is when it does blow, it blows fast. And it's like, you know, you got to be learning because when it happens, there's going to be all of this uh, exuberance and moon boy wisdom coming all over. And it's just, you got to be able to discern the truth. So that's what I would say. As far as the ETF is concerned, again, I personally believe, and you'll probably laugh at me, make me wrong, whatever. But I mean, I personally believe that, uh, you know, Bitcoin is meant in some ways to destroy the ETF model in my belief system. And again, I don't understand ETFs deeply. So, you know, maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but ETFs to me, that entire derivatives market, is basically a, a product of this fiat nightmare that we've been living through. And yes, it's cool that we can set up a system in 2023 where you can, you know, trade Bitcoin through an ETF and whatever. And I know a lot of people are waiting on that. But at the end of the day, Bitcoin, there has never been an asset, in my opinion, that is like so easy to just hold yourself. So it's like, yeah, you could do all that ETF crap and it may make some money in the short term. I think most people will eventually find the power in Bitcoin holding the asset itself and not some derivative product. And I understand that there's laws and rules and regulations. Too bad. Hold it yourself. And then as far as, uh, you know, uh, like, <clears throat> well, that's all I'll say for now. All right. Great rant. Good morning, <laughs> Cor Corey Clipson. Do you have any uh, thoughts? Looks like we're in a bowl, man. You know, it's the it's the early stages and these things go up and then down again a few times before they go up. So uh, keeping my hat on, but uh, it is exciting to wake up to these friendly morning green candles. I will say that. Yeah, it's better than crawling across the desert for 500 plus days. I like the desert. I, also I do have a fun that, that uh, real bull market. Yeah, I do have a fun horn um, filling tactic that I can share before we leave, which is, and this only works for people who are already on the exchange. So if you know a boomer in your life and they've got some money on the exchange and you're trying to help them, you know, take it into self-custody, you've been talking to them about self-custody and finally they agree. They're, they want your help and they're going to move it off. Here's your opportunity. This is your chance. If you go into the exchange, with them and you start to do the withdrawal process, you'll find they have two choices. They can either sell their Bitcoin and withdraw it in cash, or they can move the Bitcoin off and, and get it over, you know, getting this value off of the exchange. They can move it off uh, as cash or they can move it off as Bitcoin. And it tells you right there, as soon as you pop it up, it'll say three to five business days if you move it in cash and, and uh, you know, like almost instant, basically, if you run it through Bitcoin. So there's that little moment where you can Actually, the, the, the legacy system is showing the user right there what's going to happen if you cross over to the dark path of back into the fiat system. I mean, it's literally telling it to you right there. Or you can just move it off in Bitcoin and hold your Bitcoin. Orange Pill App, good morning. Thanks for joining us. What's up? Good morning. Can you hear me? I'm hitting the gym. So is the mic coming in yeah. all right? All You're right. good. Cool. Wow. Thanks for having us up, man. Uh, today is actually our, our one year anniversary. On this day last year, we launched at Pacific Bitcoin. So 
we can't thank you guys enough. Swan, um, Pacific Bitcoin, Alex, Corey, all you guys. Um, I met, <clears throat> uh, this is this is Brian DeMent talking, by the way. I, I met Mateo by being an attendee at Pacific Bitcoin. I just walked up to the booth and signed. But, but I just signed up at the booth as a, as a member. So there's something about being a part of the community. There's going to be so much noise that comes. So for those of you guys who have been here for the spaces all along, you guys have been going to the events, meeting up with people, doing that kind of building, all that kind of stuff. Like, congrats to you. Like, let's welcome in all the new people with open arms for sure. But, uh, you know, tip, tip, tip a hat to the other people in the community that have been here. Um, and like you guys, every morning, Alex, you guys are out here. Just, you know, keeping it real, keeping us excited. Uh, it's it's really encouraging to have you guys walk us through the desert or walk with us through the desert this entire time. Um, I mean, the, the community really, uh, not only is it high signal, it's it's encouragement, right? And and I think that's what's so important about community. So that's what we're doing at Orange Pill App. And thank you for helping us get to one year and, and, and all, these, uh, all these people to uh, hopefully usher in the bright orange future. Thanks, you guys. You bet, brother. Let's go. Shepherding. Last shepherding. There you go. Yeah. That, that, escorting. That was, shepherding yes, exactly. the sheep. Is that what we're that, doing? Escorting. <laughs> escorting. Shepherding across the desert. Now, that was the last thing I'll say really quick before you go, Alex. It was just, you know, keep helping everyone you can around you. Hodling. I just helped some family members this morning getting, you know, stuff off the exchange into cold storage, you know, boomers. Um, so just, you know, just keep on the mission and build community. I, Brian kind of took that, but that was exactly what I was going to say. Build community. It's the number one thing in any survival situation, which is exactly what we're in. We're in culture war, you know, bio wars, misinformation wars. We're in a lot of wars right now. And a lot of us just don't realize it, except the people that are here and build a community online. Like we're doing right this second and build it offline. You know, the farmers, ranchers, the sheriffs, the people to kind of come full circle that are there to uphold the constitution, the sheriffs, that's their job. Uh, build that online and offline community, and uh, and and we will see it through. Background: you know, Bitcoin Bitcoiners treat their sheep a lot better than fiat maxis. So, if you want like a nice free range life, come and be a sheep in Bitcoin. Hey, what's up, guys? Sorry, uh, unfortunate I missed most of the the space today. I caught the first like thirty minutes, and then I was doing some fiat mining. But just wanted to say. Um, you know, a lot of the time when the market starts to get exuberant, people start toying around with the idea of leverage. So just wanted to say, avoid leverage, just buy spot and uh, shared a quick thing in the nest there. If you look at um, the LN markets posts, you know, that was a clear <laughs> leverage or short wipeout and then right on the backside, a long wipeout. So anybody that was playing with leverage in either direction probably got wrecked today. So if you're comfy in spot, you're going to be a lot happier a year from now. I love it. All right. That's a pretty cool show today. Uh, I had fun. I appreciate you guys being here. Um, we're going to wrap it up. A couple of quick items. Later today, we've got BJ Boyapati at 1 p.m. Eastern. Swan Signal Live. Go to the Swan YouTube channel. Check that out. We recorded Bitcoin Veterans last night. And we had Preston Pish. That was a lot of fun. Learned a lot from that guy. Check out the uh, at Bitcoin Veterans handle on Twitter for more info on that. By the way, also, if you are a veteran or active duty or first responder, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Bitcoin curious, connect with us because uh, we would love to add you to our groups. And uh, it's a great way to learn. 
figure out more and just connect with other like-minded people. All right. Oh, and finally, Pacific Bitcoin. If you haven't already got your tickets, those are on sale, pacificbitcoin.com. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin, the place for your morning news, prefer hanging out for the some of the smartest minds in the industry. This is also a podcast on Fountain Spotify and Apple. If you don't catch the live show on Twitter, th- you can throw me or Swan follow to be notified of when those drop. Thanks to Swan Bitcoin and Marathon, sponsors of the show, our crew, Aunt Peter, Sats for Life, Wicked Don Bay, and producer Jacob. I'm your host, Alex Danzig. Work with Swan. Shoot me DM if you want to know more. Thanks to all the guys who come on here on the regular, all the gals, all the folks who take their time to teach people about this bright orange future. I really appreciate you guys because, yeah, that was a long trip through the desert. And you guys were here for it the whole time. Loyal. On the mission. This is what we call getting on the mission. If you don't know what that means, hang out. You'll figure it out. Love you guys. Everybody have a great day today. Get out there and crush it.